Hey there, welcome to MCU Complete Me. It's the podcast where we talk about all of the Marvel movies and we decide if they're good or if they're bad. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Luke. You had me at hey. <laughs> um, Luke. Yeah. Before we up? get into it, I have one very important question for you. Oh, what's that? What's up? Uh, well, you know, uh, not not too much now, but we we went to PAX last weekend. We did go to the Penny Arcade Expo West. Yep, that is what that stands for, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we did a live episode of Let's Place. We saw a whole bunch of friends. Um, and yeah, it's, it's actually been about a month since we've recorded one of these, even though there's been no break in the release schedule. Right. We were last, yeah. because we did the month of placing. Right, right. I decided if we are recording together, we should be placing. Yeah, yeah. Um, while we were in Seattle together, you know, we've been watching a lot of Marvel films together, and I, I thought, you know, might be a good refresher to watch a different kind of movie with oh. each other. And we did watch The Adventures of Food Boy. A fine movie. A fine film you can watch on Netflix now. You know, I... Oh, great, would you give that film? Oh, boy. <laughs> I give it a solid C+. Hmm. I think I would have to give it just a, a rock-solid D. Oh, okay. You just didn't a, enjoy watching it? Oh, well, here's the thing. I did enjoy watching it, but it's a terrible movie. It's just, it has a lot of things to mock and make fun of and have a good time with friends. I guess D is technically a passing grade, although sure. it will not satisfy prerequisites. That story had a beginning, a middle, and an end, kind of. <laughs> you know, sort of. Everyone should go watch that film. Don't look up anything about it. Look up nothing about it. Just watch it. Get some friends together. Maybe get drunk and just have a good night. Maybe maybe take a weed edible. Right, which is what you did that night, right? I actually didn't. Oh, oh, that was the night before where you were just rolling around on the ground like a cat. <laughs> right, while well, we were playing the Teen Titans uh, right. deck building you, game. You ate some weed, but it was more like someone had sprinkled it out on the floor and you were rolling around <laughs> on it. Well, it was a very soft floor. It was literally hardwood. It, it was, you know, like, but, you know, it was, it was firm like a comfortable, firm mattress. Mm-hmm. I think it was fern, like the wood of a comfortable fern tree. <laughs> Look, we have some housekeeping to do. Do we? Okay. Yeah, because we were talking earlier. Yes. About how maybe the way you perceive the scale and I perceive the scale are a bit different. We had a discussion on Twitter a week ago or so where uh, we found that even though we agreed on the letter grades, we found that what those letter grades meant to us were different. Right. Um, and I'll say at the outset, that was entirely intentional on my part. If you go back to the first episode, I asked you first what letter grade you would give Iron Man to set the, the conversation and just decided not to elaborate much beyond that. <laughs> And you finally discovered my ruse. <laughs> oh, good ruse. Yeah, uh-huh. Luke, I'd like to give you an award for best ruse. Oh, finally. I've worked so hard for this. So, it, it seems that yeah. your grades are maybe one to two-ish slots higher than they would have to be to conform to my perception of right we were saying that if we're going to normalize our grade scales to your level then we would need to adjust some of my grades downwards right because and this started from i called thor 2 a terrible movie even though i gave it a c i i think 
if you're willing to give someone prerequisite credit yeah. to go on to the next class, uh-huh. they did not do a terrible job. See, okay. So maybe this is coming from a perspective. Ha- Crystal, let's 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 get into some personal stuff here. How'd okay. you do in school? I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's the thing about- is like I understand where you're coming from as like a an, an overachieving student, a gifted kid. Right. I was very much a kid that um I got in trouble when I brought home a B grade. You yeah. know. <laughs> like that was that was like oh well mm, hope that looks better by the end of the year, buddy. You know that that level of uh. A thing in a C, good God, go to your room. Um, so to me, a C is like, eh, you, you, you did it, I guess, technically. But I mean, you get no congratulations whatsoever. Just get the hell out of the classroom. You, you have fulfilled the bare minimum. You know what they Whereas say you, about a C's. is like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> they get degrees. They do get degrees. That's true. You can get that's a true. C in every single class and become a medical physician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is fair. But by the same merit, if you found out that your doctor got straight C's, you might not feel you might consider switching doctors. I mean, depends. I probably wouldn't care actually. I pro well, it depends on how long they've been going at it for. At some point, experience trumps any kind of book learning. Right, but, that's why you know. they make you do like residencies and stuff before you can actually like start your own <laughs> right. practice. That is, you know, entirely fair. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I am open to adjusting some of my grades downwards. Do we want to, because you suggested moving them down two slots and that felt a little too harsh in places, but then one slot felt maybe a little too soft in others. Do we want to just run through the gamut here real quick? Okay. So, so Iron Man one, I gave that what a B minus. Uh huh. Okay. I still feel like B minus sounds about right to me. Like it's, it's an all right movie. It's fun to watch, but it's. Got some structural problems and some weird politics that make me a little eh about it. Like, maybe I could see bumping it down to C+. Hmm. G- give me again your definition of a B and the definition of a C. Okay, uh, I think B, because I, I, I walked through all of these. I said A is like, oh, great movie. I'm going to rewatch that a lot. It's it's something that really stuck with me, and I just, I loved watching it. B is like, yeah, that was a good movie. I, I enjoyed watching it, but, you know, it's not really going to stick with me much. I'm not going to go out of my way to rewatch it ever, really. But, sure, that, that was a fun watch. Whereas C is like, eh, yeah, that movie was fine, I guess. But, you know, whatever. There were better ways to spend my time. All right, so your B is kind of like my high C. Uh-huh. I love high C. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can definitely see maybe bump that down to a C plus if it is the kind of film like I'm not gonna rewatch this. Yeah, and I am not gonna rewatch Iron Man. <laughs> so yeah, sure, C plus. That's fine with me. Okay. Adjusting the list. Right. Hey, we Which get can... all those disagreements we've been talking about finally. Finally. <laughs> and by the way, you can Turns check out the list. They've been there all along. <laughs> you can check the list for yourself at bit.ly slash Marvel GPA. Hey, I'm going to look that up now so I can go along with you on this adventure. Okay, The Incredible Hulk. Okay, and I gave that a flat C. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my mind, a D movie is like, ugh, this sucked. Like, it's just a bad movie. Maybe it's worth watching because it's so bad that it's fun to mock, but otherwise, just bleh, thumbs down. No good. Okay, to me, a D movie is definitely bad overall, mm-hmm. but has some redeeming qualities that keep it from being, you know, a, a failure. Sure. Um, and I think we talked about this, too. To me, in some ways, it's better to be a D than a C, because usually D movies are at least, like, 
interestingly bad, whereas C is just, like, blandly competent. Like, yeah, it's it's a movie, I guess. Whereas, like, a D movie can be, like, fascinatingly bad, you know? I, and the Hulk is definitely not fascinatingly bad. I don't agree with that. I think fascinatingly bad movies can totally be Cs, and competent but boring movies can be Ds. Hmm, hmm. That's why I would yeah. give something like Food Boy in the C range. Sure, sure. Whereas I would give it a D. So there you go. It's, it's we got a different uh, metric by which we judge things here. But so um, the, the Incredible. Would you consider Hulk a bad movie? I would consider it a bad movie. Yes. Okay. I think then it's at minimum got to be a C minus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm comfortable doing that only because I know I gave Thor two the same letter grade. Mm-hmm. And Thor two, I can definitely see bumping down from a C. Do so you want to say C minus or Thor two? Do you want to say C minus or D plus yeah. for Hulk? Uh, you know what? Mm. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep the Hulk from moving on to biology two. Yeah. Yeah. The, see, the real trouble here though is, do I want the Hulk in my class again next year? I guess you know what they were an inoffent. You know they weren't actively disruptive. That they can. Yeah, I'll give them another class. I'll give them a D plus. Sure. A D plus. Yeah, let's go with D+. Plus. Okay, okay. Got some orange on the list now. We sure do. Yeah, that GPA is just slipping. All right, then where do we go next? We got... Uh, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. Um, <laughs> now, here's a class clown. Yeah, right? This one is still... I have so many conflicted feelings about it. I thought it might be the one I feel the most conflicted about, but then we watched The Winter Soldier, which we'll get to shortly. <laughs> because, again... There are two performances in this movie that I think are the best part of the entire MCU, but everything else about this movie I don't like at all. And it's very hard to figure out how to weigh those two facts against each other. Now, to me, that does sound like you're saying it's a bad movie with some redeeming qualities. I would say that's accurate, yes. So that seems to me like a D range. Really? Okay. Um, I still think it's better than The Hulk, though, so I'm going to say C-. minus. Okay. I mean, you, you can rate it above the Hulk and still give it a D plus. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Sure. Let's give it a D plus. Okay. Okay. Damn. See, th- this is what people thought this show was gonna be. <laughs> right. 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 We got That's what here. the show always was. We just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Thor, which is B, which sounds B sounds right to me for Thor. Like, okay. it is a it is a perfectly decent movie. I I enjoy several of the performances. It's not. A very sticky movie. I don't really want to rewatch it ever, but I enjoyed watching it. All right, we'll keep that as uh, a B. Yeah, B B sounds right to me for Thor. The first Avenger. First Avenger. <laughs> B minus. Also, still kind of sounds right to me for First Avenger. Like okay. it, it was. It was a decent movie. I didn't love it. I have some weird feelings about it, but it's mostly pretty good. Uh, the Avengers. Avengers. We've got. I've got a B plus. Yeah, I think that one also still fits. Like. Again, pretty good movie. Almost something I would rewatch. Like, it's very fun, even if it's not, you know, much, much more than that. It's not trying to be much more than that, and that's fine. Like, B-plus seems correct. Okay. I could maybe see dipping it to B, but I think B-plus is fine. Iron Man 3. So Iron Man 3, we've got it a B. Out of the gate, I can definitely see dipping it to a B-minus if we're talking about this. And I want to talk about something that maybe maybe is a mark against the movie as a whole. Maybe might also dip your your grade. Okay. Because I did just see an article today where, uh, hmm. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Something about, uh, Shane Black, director of Iron Man 3's new movie, The Predator, where, uh, they had to cut a scene from it because it included, um, a scene featuring an actor who is a 
registered sex offender who tried to solicit sex from a 14-year-old girl who is old buddies with Shane Black and who he has cast in multiple movies, including Iron Man 3, because they're buds. Iron Man 3 did come out. It was the first project he this actor did after he left prison for the, the bad things he did. Oh, well, you know what? That does decrease my opinion of Shane Black. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think it affects my opinion of Iron Man 3. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just there is a part of me that's like, "Hmm, I don't I don't want to I don't want to give that guy any congratulations even by proxy, you know? But what yeah. <laughs> that's it's not good. It's not Fuck it's Shane not Black. Good. That yeah. that's a that's a real shitty thing to pull. Let's let's be unambiguous here. Shane Black's a piece of shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like him. I had I had a neutral opinion about him just a month ago. Now I don't. Now I hate him. Fuck him. Ugh. All right. Well, I guess that. Having said that, I yeah, I I think probably dip Iron Man three to a B minus for me. Okay. Okay. Thor two, right down to a D plus. Damn. Right on down to a D plus. But still above the Hulk. They're they're like neck and neck. It's hard for me to make a call on that one. They're right about equal. I think I think I did say it was better than the Hulk, though, right? Yes. Oh, right, because it does have those few Thor and Loki scenes that I do like. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll put it above the Hulk still. All right. So, so that's our adjusted adjusted uh, grade scale here. Yeah, we got new rankings for Luke. Everything's yeah, still in the yeah. same order, but the Avengers right. B plus stratified. Thor B, mm-hmm. Iron Man three, and Captain America one B minus. Iron Man yeah. C plus. Iron Man two, Thor two, and the Incredible Hulk D plus. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, there you go then. That brings their overall GPA for me down to like a 2.25. 2.25, which brings the cumulative GPA down to 2.479. All right, down below a B minus now. Uh-huh. Yeah, between C plus and B minus. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles. Turns out I was a much harsher grader than I thought. Uh which I guess that that, that kind of cleans everything up, right? We're ready to to go into uh our, our film of the week. Film of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Our film of the week is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. The sequel is. to Captain America, the first Avenger, and the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. What was your experience with this one, Crystal? Uh, this is part of a trinity of films, which I would identify uh. as the Winter Soldier, John Wick, and Dread. Okay. And which people freak the fuck out about. These are these are some of the greatest action movies ever made. Uh-huh. And all of them's like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Uh. Yeah, I definitely don't think this is one of the greatest action movies ever made. Um like did I assume you saw this when it came out, right? Yeah, I I yeah. I liked it when it came out. Uh my opinion was definitely not as high as everyone else's seemed to be. Uh-huh. And watching it now, uh my opinion has lowered. I see. Um, I did not see it when it came out. I want to say it was around the time that Spider-Man Homecoming was in theaters, and everyone was just very high on the MCU with the... Ragnarok was before Spider-Man, right? No, it was after. It was after. Okay, then maybe it was when Ragnarok was in theaters. Like, the one-two punch of those movies, everyone was going nuts for the MCU again, in a way they hadn't in a little while. Uh, and I thought, alright, well, maybe I need to give these movies another chance, because I've kind of written them off. So, I didn't really care about Thor enough to try Thor 2, and I really disliked Iron Man 2, so I didn't bother with 3. But, uh, one night, I just decided to have a little movie marathon. It was probably over a couple nights, actually. Uh, starting with this one, and just watching through to Civil War. Uh, and I remember watching this one thinking, 
yeah, all right, that's pretty good, I guess. I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, and then just kind of moving on and not really thinking about it much more than that. Watching it now, I feel weird about this movie. Oh yeah, why do you feel weird about this movie? It's just, mm, we'll get into it more as we go, but it's especially, even more so than the first Captain America, this movie's politics have aged very strangely in a way that mm. uh, makes me a little uncomfortable. It's generous to say this movie has politics. It does, though. And they're yeah, not kind of. great. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I feel like we should almost maybe save that talk for, for once we get into it here. Because there, there's a few... There's especially one specific moment that I really... We're going to need to talk about a lot of what happens in that bunker with the computer man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Man, people talk about this movie like, yeah, man, this is like a fucking realistic political thriller. Like, no, Captain well, America no. does talk to a, a robot Nazi. He talks to a robot Nazi and then has to take down three hovering uh, aircraft carriers. Yeah, pre- previously, when I'm thinking about this movie, I was like, oh, this movie is kind of unique because it's almost like a Mission Impossible movie or something. <laughs> right. But watching it now, it, it did very much feel like a Marvel movie. Yeah, Captain America just makes very good buddies with a robot Birdman, so... <laughs> Wait, what? Well, si- well, you know, a man who pilots a robot bird suit, I guess. Whatever. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, the thing that I always heard from this, people always told me that I needed to watch this one, because I am a known fan of the Metal Gear Solid franchise, and everyone's always like, oh, it's like a Metal Gear movie. because no, Because isn't. the opening action set piece is on a an oil tanker, and there's conspiracies, and that is where the similarities end. I guess, I guess Winter Soldier is kind of a Gray Fox situation. Like, it's not, it's not the most unlike Metal Gear, but it's not a Metal Gear movie. No, it's not, I, I guess it is a conspiracy movie. Yeah, no, there's conspiracies in it. But, like, I don't, like, I, I think the A plot of this movie was done much better in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Okay, yeah, because they, they, they did actually that whole, like, Agents of Hydra like run, right? Right. Well, actually, that yeah. was a different thing that happened in season four. Oh, okay. But yeah, like in that in that show, you actually felt like, oh, who can you trust? And there's like actual real betrayals of main characters sure. and stuff. Yeah, there's never a moment in this movie. I mean, it, it, I think everyone knows. Like the main thrust of this movie is that. Hydra has infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. from the very beginning, and a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are double agents that are actually Nazis, um, but they'll never say that word in this entire movie, I don't think. Uh, but, like, there's never a moment where a character that you thought was, like, really trustworthy turns out to be Hydra. Like, all the Hydra double agents are either very minor characters or characters introduced in this movie. Yeah, man. Jasper Sitwell. <laughs> ah, I remember... As I felt so betrayed when the man <laughs> from the DVD bonus short films. Right. He's in, like, one shot. I don't even know if he has a line in Thor. I just remember he's in that, like, tent because we talked about him at the time. He's the guy who says, is that one of Starks? Okay, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if anyone was going to care about Jasper Sitwell, it would have been me. Sure. So, yes. Like, yeah. And I mean, Brock uh, Rumlow, you know, his actors 
does a good job, I guess. He, he does a fine job in this movie. But it's, we don't we don't really get to like explore the character of Brock right, Rumlow. Not, right, we don't know that guy, so it's not like a shocker when it turns out to be that he's a Nazi. Or like the senator from Iron Man 2 is Hydra, which we talked about a lot in Iron Man 2. <laughs> We're like, it's just, again, I agreed with that guy. You don't, vilifying him is a dumb move. Um, it just makes Iron Man 2 retroactively even worse. Let's, let's, let's get into the film. We should get into the film because we open on the National Mall where a lone man is jogging in the early morning light. And then he gets passed up by another man who is, like, sprinting. And that man keeps passing him over and over again. And every time right. he says, on your left? Yeah, yeah. You ever been to the National Mall, Crystal? Uh, yeah, I guess I have once yeah. for, like, yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, we went there uh, when I was, like, 19 or 20. And there was a, just a big crowd of people walking around because it's, you know, a major tourist attraction. And uh, a jogger yelled at us to get out of her way and then yelled, God, tourists! And I just, if you don't want tourists in the way of your jogging path, maybe don't jog at the biggest tourist attraction in your town? I don't know. I'm not that smart, but that seems like maybe the way to go. It seemed like a weird thing to be mad about. It has nothing to do with this movie. Let's move on. Okay, so now the, the man who is jogging. Sam Wilson, yes. the Falcon. Yes, the Falcon himself. Is sitting on a tree, catching his breath, and Captain America comes up to him. He's like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Captain America. It's me. Steve right. Rogers is my name. I forgot yeah, it for and a Sam's kind of like, yeah, you've been sprinting for like an hour and a half, so I kind of figured that part out. Uh, now, Sam Wilson's a pretty like long-running comics character, right? Yeah, he's been around for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And then he, I think he's also been, like, Captain America sometimes, hasn't he? Yes, he, he, I don't know if he still is Captain America. I think he still is. I think there's just two Captain Americas now. Oh, okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, they stop at a tree while, uh, Sam kind of needs to catch his breath. And, uh, they have just a discussion about how Sam used to be a soldier, but now he works for the VA. Maybe you should come down sometime, make me look good in front of the girl at the front desk. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Steve is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, and he goes to walk away, and Sam kind of calls out to him, and uh, he specifically says, like, hey, I'll bet, like, your bed feels weird, right? Because you're used to sleeping, like, on the ground or on, like, rock-hard, like, barrack cots, and now you're sleeping on, like, a comfy mattress, and it's, like, makes you feel weird. And that kind of, like, catches Sam's attention, and they have like, just a nice little bonding moment. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're both soldier men, even though they come yeah. from different times. I I like Sam a lot in this movie. Uh, yeah, who do, who doesn't like Sam Wilson? Yeah, like normally there is just one character in these movies I latch onto is in like one scene. They made just the random nice guy just an actual character this time, and I appreciate it. Oh, so Sam is in in line with like Stanley the Pizza Man. I think I think Sam and Stanley the Pizza Man would get along famously. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve has a list. Of pop culture things that he has to catch up on since he woke up. Yeah. And Sam Wilson recommends Trouble Man by Marvel Gay, released in 1972. Marvin right. Gay, not Marvel, Marvel Gay. <laughs> so some of the things on Steve's list include... I love Steve Lu Jobs. <laughs> I Love Lucy. Moon Landing. Berlin Wall. Up plus down. Up and down, yeah. Steve Jobs. <laughs> Apple. Disco. Thai food. Star Wars slash Trek. Yeah, he's got Star Wars crossed off. He's seen it. Nirvana. 
Rocky, parentheses, Rocky 2? <laughs> they did make a different version of this list for different countries. Oh, that makes sense. But then it's time for Black Widow to appear. He, she's calling uh, Steve on a mission because he's a right. shield man now. Right. And she drives up in a super cool car and he's just like, ha, ha, you can't run everywhere. And he, he gets in with her. She has, like, very flat hair in this movie. Yeah, she has a different hairstyle in each movie, and this one, it's just long, straight hair. Yeah. But uh, they have got to go to the Indian Ocean, where there's some kind of big old ship, the Lumurian Star, that has been hijacked by pirates. It's a mobile satellite launch platform. Yes. It's been hijacked and by, uh, fucking, what's his name? Batroc, is that his name? Batroc? Fucking... Batroc Zilipar. There we go, yeah. Uh... Oh, oh, God, I just got that. Fuck. What do you mean? Well, isn't that a, like, isn't, like, someone the Leaper, like, a Captain America bad guy? Yeah, Batroc the Leaper. Yeah, but he's, doesn't he have, like, spring shoes or some shit in the comics? Maybe. I'm oh, not man, sure. He's, he, he's a good pull for a minor villain. I kind of wish he had a larger role in this movie. Yeah, yeah, Batroc the Leaper. Yeah, he's got, like, uh, let's see, what's his powers here? Abilities, master French kickboxer, expert hand-to-hand combat, Olympic-level athlete and weight leader. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of a different bad guy, because he does not spring legs or something are not on this list. Are you, you know who I'm thinking of? Jack? No, uh, I don't know. Maybe. It's possible. Yeah, Betrok Zaripa yeah. has hijacked this ship, and he's demanding $1.5 billion, and then he'll give it back. Right. I guess. And uh, they, Steve asks why the ransom is so high. And who, who is this like tactical guy he's talking to? Brock Rumlow. What's his name? Okay. Crossbones. Uh, Rumlow, ex- yeah. He explains that uh, the ransom is so high because this is a shield ship. And Steve gets that he has already been lied to because this ship didn't wander into foreign territory. It uh, was trespassing because S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing some sneaky espionage shit. As he do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so just you're, immediately you're already, setting up the kind of conflict here with Steve and Shield. Right, the complete bullshit conflict that na- America is, is morally gray in 2014, yes. but wasn't yeah, in 1945. Uh-huh. Right, Ex- yep, mm-hmm, Luke. Yep. <laughs> what was Captain America's opinions on the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Well, he got froze before that happened, and, uh, you know, the golden age of America ended with Captain America's first, uh campaign in europe so you know that's part of the gray times yeah this movie mm, <laughs> like i said we'll get into it this movie posits that america was beautiful and perfect until it got corrupted by an external force that made it do bad things america didn't it. do any war crimes during world war ii or any time before it well no hey we did some bad stuff some stuff that made us not able to sleep well at night god but we did it to fight for freedom <laughs> man oh we'll get to it <laughs> Was it Jasper Sitwell's on the launch ship, and Captain America's like, what's Sitwell doing here? Yeah. Which is, like, it's not actually that suspicious that he's here. Right, it's a shield ship, I mean, you know. Yeah, was, was not- he, did he read, read his diary? Well, the, the, the vibe I got from that line wasn't Steve being like, what's he doing here? It was more like, what's that son of a gun doing here? <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Small world. You know, that the more of that. The guy he knows so well. Right. Yeah, his best friend. <laughs> So, Petrok Zilipar's men are just, like, harassing these prisoners who are not resisting even a little bit. No, 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 no. (laughs) Well, they're they're having, the the pirates are having an argument about whether they should start killing hostages to force S.H.I.E.L.D.'s hand. Why would they? 
Well, because the idea is that if they make it clear they don't have any time to, like, negotiate or plan shit, then maybe they'll have to give up the money. Okay. But, nah. I don't know. Um, this I'm no sets up the running. Yeah. <laughs> this sets up the running gag in this movie, too, this scene with Black Widow and Cap, where she keeps trying to suggest women he should ask out. But Steve Rogers doesn't want to go on dates because he's too busy doing he's fighting. too busy. Yes. So Steve Rogers jumps out of the plane without a parachute. He's a super yeah. soldier, and he lands sure. in the water, and then he does murder some men. Yep, he just uh, carves a line of blood across this ship. My favorite uh, one is the long shot, where he's just running across the ship and shoves the guy yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he is just doing a great job of beating up all these terrorists by himself, but then one gets the drop on him. And that's when the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents arrive to back him up. What I, will, what I will say is I don't think this is one of the greatest action movies ever. I think it's got yeah. pretty good action. Yeah, oh yeah, the action's good in this movie. Which is fortunate, because there's a lot of it. It does a good job of, like, making you almost forget that Steve is a super soldier, and then very yeah. sharply reminding you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they all kind of land on the ship. I'm fast-forwarding through this action scene, because there's not much more to say other than it looks cool. Uh, Black Widow continues to suggest women he should date. Other things happen, you know, eventually. <laughs> uh, they split up. Black Widow is supposed to go down and, uh, take care of the terrorists in the, uh, engine room. The, uh, like, squad of S.H.I.E.L.D. guys is supposed to go take care of the hostages, and Steve is supposed to go find Petrock, the Leaper. So, yeah, you mentioned that, like, the the strike team, led by Brock L- Rumlaw, is having some trouble. Cap's like, hey, Natasha, go help him out. But Natasha's not responding. Right. We see her take care of the dudes in the engine room, but now all of a sudden she's not answering any calls. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, at some point, Captain America finds Petrock and they have a big, Zaleeper. long fight. Yes, thank you, Zaleeper. And they, they have a big, long, protracted fight. Cap is using his shield a bunch. And uh, Petrock tells him, like, oh, I thought you were more than a shield. Right, he foreshadows the end of the film. Sure. And uh, Captain America drops the shield and says, let's find out, which... Is the only we talked about it in the first Captain America movie where there's a few moments that make it seem like Steve has like an inferiority complex and like feels a need to prove that he is a cool big man now. This is the one scene in this movie that like made me think like, oh hey, he's still got that going for him. They're still not gonna explore it at all. Because this is the dumbest thing ever. Why? Because he's here to arrest a terrorist. You're not here to have like a fair fight with him. I at no point is Steve even remotely in danger of losing this fight. He just wants a no, good fight. I agree, but it's just, I don't know, it just felt like a moment where I, I feel like unintentionally they have given Captain America this weakness of having, uh, compulsively needing to defend his ego and then not actually, like, exploring that idea. I think that's a cool idea, but they don't yeah. do anything with it ever. Mm. I wish they did. He does take down Batroc, who fights using French kickboxing, Savate. Yes. By uh-huh. doing, like, a backwards flip and then kicking him as he comes down. Yeah. And then he, like, tackles him through a door and punches him a bunch and then looks up and he's in some kind of computer room and Black Widow is at a terminal uh, l- downloading something onto a USB drive. Right. She's torrenting movies and Steve is like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be backup. Yeah. She's like, I have my own mission, Steve. 
Okay, so this ship is a satellite launcher, right? Uh-huh. So the idea is it's launching the satellites for the, the Project Insight, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why it's got uh, Zoloft's algorithm on it. Yeah, yeah it's got Zola's, the Zoloft algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I invented an algorithm, and also Zoloft. <laughs> right, because she's going to have a problem later where she can't figure out what it is she downloaded, which seems weird to me, but okay, yeah, I guess... If she could just download the whole encrypted file onto that USB stick, then sure, whatever. Right, she downloaded That's, the zip. She doesn't know. That makes it... Right. She, that makes she enough hasn't paid sense. for her copy of WinRAR, so she can't open it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one's told her you can just click past that screen. But at, as Steve and Natasha have, like, an argument about, like, you, you've compromised the entire mission, uh, yeah. Batrat gets up, and he throws a grenade at them, and then he gets away. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, all right, yeah, maybe a little bit. Which... I like, mm, <laughs> Oh, go ahead. I like this shot of, like, Natasha being like, Ah, oh, jeez. I messed up in front of my friends, Captain America. Right. right. Well, but here's the thing, though. No, she didn't. Captain America did. Throw some handcuffs on that dude, buddy. I mean, I guess. Like, he got distracted by her instead of making sure that the guy he was supposed to arrest was subdued. Yeah, but he got distracted by her because she was on a separate mission that she didn't tell him about. Granted, granted, I'm just saying, blame is at least 50-50 here. Well, Steve finds out the right person to blame, and it's Nicholas J. Fury. Right, yes. Uh, so he marches right up to Nick Fury's office after everything's dealt with here, and uh, just gives him a whole piece of his mind about how he doesn't appreciate being lied to about his missions. Which, there was really no reason for Nick Fury to lie to him about this. No, there really wasn't. There was nothing here that, like, there, like this. Natasha's mission would not have been like compromised if Steve knew what she was up to. Yeah, just you, you don't have to give him exact details. Just tell him, like, listen, you know, rescuing hostages is priority one, but also Natasha has a secondary objective to like secure the data to make sure the pirates don't get it. Right. Well, and I'm not one hundred percent sure what how much Nick Fury knows at which points in this movie. Because obviously he suspects something is up or he wouldn't have told Natasha to get this program, right? Right. I think he he suspects something, but he doesn't have proof. Right, yeah. So it makes sense that he would want to kind of keep things locked down because he doesn't... It's possible there is a bad actor in here and he wouldn't want it to leak to them. But he knows that Steve's not them. So, like, what the hell, buddy? Well, maybe he was worried about Rumlo. Well, right, but that's what I'm saying. You could take Steve aside separately. Yeah, because he would be right to be worried about Rumblo. I, I guess, well, maybe Steve would be like, I don't want to keep secrets from my team. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, then we figured it out. We figured it out. We figured thing. it out. He's got a rational motivation for what he does. <laughs> uh, you, you checkmated us, movie. So, Nick Fury... <laughs> they, they have a whole fight about, like, trust and how, like, soldiers have to be able to trust each other. That's what makes them an army. And Nick's like, the last time I trusted someone, that's how I lost this eye. And, uh... He says, it's called compartmentalization. Nobody yes. spills a secret because nobody knows them all. And Steve says, except you. And right. Nick responds, you're wrong about me. I do share. I'm nice like that. <laughs> yes. This movie has a lot of scenes where it seems like it lets the scene go on a little too long and ends on a yeah, line that isn't yeah. that strong. But 100%. this one is good. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of, also in this movie, not this line particularly, but 
it's got a lot of that, like, light, quippy Marvel humor that in some places feels really out of place in this movie. Yeah, like, previously on the ship, when they kind of broke into the hostage room, Sitwell was like, I told you, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't negotiate. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But this but, line's uh, good Nick- because Samuel L. Jackson's a pro. Right, he's just good at being a grumpy man. <laughs> he's good at being that Captain Marvel movie. That man has made millions of dollars, more money than I will ever make in my life, just being a grump. <laughs> God bless him for it, he's great at it. Uh, but he takes Steve on an elevator uh, down into the basement below S.H.I.E.L.D., where they are building not one, not two, but three more helicarriers after the one got blown up in the Avengers. He tells Steve us a, a story about his grandfather. Oh, right, yes. Who was an elevator operator. Part. He yeah. worked in a nice building, and he got good tips. And the neighborhood used to be nice, and you know he'd say hi to people on the street, and they'd say hi back. Then the neighborhood got rougher. People didn't say hi back. And a guy tried to mug him and said, what's in the bag? And he showed him a bag full of crumpled ones and a loaded twenty two magnum. Which granddad. doesn't seem like the easiest way to get at the gun if you're trying to hold off a mugger. Well. But what do I know? The, the point is, Granddad yeah. loved people, but he didn't trust them very much. Yeah. And they've made something a little bigger than a twenty two. It's because- uh, some very large drones. Yeah, these things are basically just sci-fi versions, like, ultra drones. Uh, they are outfitted with, like, thousands of guns, and they, like, hang in low orbit around the Earth and are guided by GPS satellites to just murder anyone on Earth that S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to murder. Right. Before they've ever even done anything wrong, but they know that they will. They can read a terrorist's DNA before he steps outside his spider hole. Right. And Steve says, like, I thought the punishment was supposed to come after the crime. And Nick looks at him like he's a fucking idiot and says, that's not fast enough. Uh, And then they have the conversation we alluded to earlier. It's the big political statement. Uh Uh-huh. Where uh, Steve, you know, says, like, he's uncomfortable with this because they are, you know, he says they are holding a gun to the head of everyone on Earth. And, uh... Calling it protection. Fury's like, hey, by the way, what about, like, all the shit you did in the 30s and 40s, buddy? (laughs) And, yeah, Steve explains that all that was okay to do because it was fighting for freedom. So it was was fine to, you know, put Japanese citizens in internment camps and the like. That was okay. But, Luke, this isn't freedom. This is fear. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, because until 1946... America was a perfect country that never did anything wrong in the MCU. This is the most radical film, the most radical blockbuster in decades, because it says that drones are bad. <laughs> like, it's... Mm, there's an element of it here where, like, someone who worked on this movie had their heart in the right place. They were wanting to say something that was, like, basically right, but they have to put so many, like... They are so worried that people are going to get mad at them that they have to put so many caveats on it that it totally takes the teeth out of any message this movie might have. Right, the furthest they ever go is saying that drones are bad, which, you yes. know, okay, sure. Sure. But they they do not go one inch any further or deeper on that subject. Right, because it's not even, like, why are they bad? Well, because maybe what if there's secret Nazis in the government? It's too easy to corrupt them, so, you know, that's why they're bad. Right, it's, it's like Black it's, Ops It's too. the old Iron Man problem, where, oh, if only the good guys have this horrible weapon, then that's fine. It's like the Black Ops 2 speech where it's like, what happens when somebody steals the keys? Yeah, exactly. 
So, Steve's not happy about any of this, and he goes off for uh, a relaxing time at, uh, oh, it's the Smithsonian, yeah, where they have an exhibit on Captain America and the Howling Commandos. Yeah, they, they need this part in case you didn't see the last movie. In case you didn't see the last movie, and, you know, you really need to be reminded who Bucky is. Yeah, they did establish that President Ellis said, welcome back, Cap, when Captain America yeah, woke up. That is the quote written on, like, the entrance. Which... If we go with our previous presidential working theory, right, means that Captain America woke up sometime in early 2012, not too long yeah. before the events of the Avengers. Right, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, the narrator basically describes the events of Captain America 1. There's like an exhibit where like kids can go see if they're as tall as like pre-experiment uh, like Steve. Yeah. It's a weird, yeah. One little kid sees Steve there, you know, even though he's hiding in his baseball cap, and he just kind of shushes him, and the kid's like, oh. They mentioned Bucky, uh, and Bucky is the, the only Howling Commando to give his life on the battlefield. Yes. Uh, you know what? I think this might be the actual one and only use of the word Nazi in this movie, when the narrator says that the Howling Commando's job was to take down Hydra, the Nazi rogue science division. I believe Pretty it's- Pretty sure- What's that? I think that's the only spoken one. There's yeah. a, a written one when they say uh, government recruits Nazi scientists. It's written on the newspaper. Okay, okay. So yeah, we get two uses of the word Nazi in a movie about Nazis secretly infiltrating the U.S. government. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. But I mean, it's a pretty radical film. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, he goes into like a little theater where they're showing a video of... Uh, Peggy Carter, like, talking about Captain America and how, like, one of the men that he saved would l- go on to become uh, her husband. Right, Daniel Souza. Yeah. From the Agent Carter show. Sure. Uh, he goes to visit her, and I was mad at this at first, but I actually kind of like this scene. Because it cuts immediately into, like, oh, they've already had their, like, hello, and he's just sitting there with her. And it seems like he's probably visited her a few times at this point. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you cheated us out of the moment that, like, I want, which is, like, her, like, them reconnecting for the first time. But I actually think it works where they're going yeah, with this. Yeah, I mean, they can't dance because she's fucking 95 years old. Well, sure. But, uh, you know, they have a conversation, and Steve talks about, like, how... Oh, the world's just so much more morally gray than it was for, like, the the six-month period in 1945 when it wasn't. What six-month period? Well, yeah, no, listen, I'm trying to- I'm trying to be generous. <laughs> Look, if you're, like, a, a white dude in the army who doesn't pay attention to anything other than what's immediately in front of you... Right. Uh, no, even then. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just, again, America was a perfect golden utopia until 1946, according to this movie. And it's infuriating. For as long as I can remember, I just wanted to do what was right. I guess I'm not quite sure what that is anymore. I thought I could throw myself back in, follow orders, serve. It's just not the same. Yeah. Like, you know what would make this work? Is if, like, Steve started at that point, and then over the course of this movie realized that it was never black and white. You know, that would be a better way. Like, you could do it that way. Yeah, that'd be a a good arc. Right. And, like, because, like, the Captain America comics have absolutely gone through periods where Captain America has become disillusioned with America, you know? Yeah, he's he's abandoned the Captain America name, like, five times. Yeah, like, you could absolutely do that story, and that would be interesting, but they, they just don't, and it's, ugh, it makes me very mad. 
But uh, they're having this conversation, and all of a sudden, Peggy has a moment where uh, we learn that she has um, uh, Alzheimer's or, you know, something similar, where she suddenly acts as though she is seeing Steve for the first time, and they do the moment where they meet for the first time that way, and it's way more of a gut punch, and it's actually a good creative choice, and I do, like, the movie gets credit for that for me. I like that moment. Then she doesn't show up again. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> uh, the next time we see her, she will be dead. Yeah, what, in Civil War? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, listen, I'm, I'm trying to be fair to this movie. I like this scene, other than the parts that we've already talked about. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Peggy Carter, again, foreshadows the end of the movie by saying, sometimes the best we can do is to start over. Oh, sure. Meanwhile, Nick uh, secures his office. The window is, like, automatically tint. He takes out the fancy USB drive that Black Widow was using and wants to open up the files on it. And the computer won't let him. I do like that his big, secure, super spy computer is facing a giant window. Right. Well, the window tints, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to get past that. No, listen. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> there's there's just some guy, like, how, how does these shield secrets keep leaking? Just a guy <laughs> in one of the buildings down there with the telescope. Uh, yeah. But um, he tells the computer to, like, override whatever lock is on it on his authority, and it won't. And he asks, like, who locked it, and it gives his name, which doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So he hops in an elevator up to, I guess, the top, probably the top floor? I don't know. Uh, the 41st floor, I think. Whatever it is. Where uh, the XCOM council is here, and Crystal... Thank God, they got lights in their offices now, so you can see them. Oh. Back in the Avengers, all the lights were off. But now they have But them. now they're in these weird hollow tubes, and you can see them, finally. Look, they spent a lot of money on that first helicarrier. Right, yeah, they couldn't afford light bulbs. Yeah, the, now, though? Yeah. <laughs> now they got light bulbs. Yeah, they make some sacrifice, but it's okay. It's a post-9-11 world, so they have a bigger budget. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, and who's the, who's the guy in the office? I forget it. I, I'm terrible Alexander names. Pierce. We've established that. Alexander Pierce. Yeah, Robert Redford took a check for this movie. <laughs> uh, the XCOM council is very mad at him because of the whole thing with the ship and how it shouldn't have happened. And Pierce is just like, ah, don't worry about it. We fixed it, right? He, hmm. There's a weird line where Pierce is like, Batroc isn't French. He's Algerian. Yeah. Which, he is French in the comics, so, I don't know, it just feels weird that, like, oh yeah, we're gonna right. change it so the terrorist is from Africa. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he's just very, like, snide and not taking this meeting seriously. Um, He's a Nazi, we'll learn later. Right. So that's, you know, just something to keep in mind, I guess. This council takes things like international piracy fairly seriously. Really? Right. I don't. I don't care about yeah. one boat. I care about the fleet. Yeah. Uh, and before they can explain how fucking stupid that is, he gets called away to talk to Nick Fury, uh, who explains that he would like him to delay the launch of the helicarriers uh, just for a little bit so he can check out whatever's going on with the data on this flash drive. And uh, Pierce tells him that, like, he can he can pull it off, but Iron Man has to come to his, like, granddaughter's birthday party or some shit. And not just a flyby, he's got a mingle. <laughs> right. So, we cut to Steve checking out the VA, where, uh... Yeah. The Falcon, Sam Wilson, is uh, leading a support group. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's just some woman talking about how, like, she, <laughs> like, 
got pulled over because she swerved on the road because there was like garbage in the street and she thought it was an IED. Some stuff and you then... leave there, other stuff you bring back. It's our yeah. job to figure out how to carry it. Is it going to be in a big suitcase or a little man purse? It's up to you. Now, I'm not a therapist, and I'm certainly not trained in assisting <laughs> veterans that are back from combat zones readjust to life. That's not the strongest speech I've ever heard in my life, though. No, I, I would not characterize Sam Wilson as a good speech giver. No, good man, bad speech fine, giver. You know, fine, good, good man, good friend. Yeah, not good a great public bird speaker. Flyer, <laughs> clearly, clearly a well-intentioned man who wants to help others. Yeah, you know, he's he's doing his best. Yeah, he's just may, maybe maybe go take a speech class. Maybe uh, take a few more drafts on this line of dialogue in the script. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then. Sam and Steve have a conversation outside. Yeah. Where they, you know, they talk about, yeah, we all got the same problems, guilts, regrets. I, I lost my wingman, Riley, uh, on one of my last missions. Yeah. And I, I had a really hard time to find reason to stay over there. Yeah. And uh, Steve says that he's starting to have some doubts and maybe he wants to quit being a soldier, but he doesn't know what else he would do. And Sam was like, you could literally do anything, man. Like, what makes you happy? And Steve just has a beat of silence, and he says, I don't know. And that is so deeply sad, and it will not be touched on again. Oh. Well, Luke, here's here's my film theory. Okay. Captain America dies in the elevator. <laughs> and the rest of the MCU <laughs> is just him hallucinating an excuse for him to keep fighting a justified war against... Against Hydra and against Ultrons and against aliens. <laughs> instead of against brown people. <laughs> okay, sure. That's my film theory. Alright, well, I guess we'll see how well that plays out. And he was, to be clear, he was not, like, assaulted and killed in the elevator. That was part of the hallucination. He just, like... Oh, he just did, like, a brain aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, sure. Why not? But yeah, like, man, that is a that is a character beat that like I want to hear more about. And this movie's like, ah, we got stuff to do. Uh, Don't Sam worry Wilson's about it. speech about Riley does actually foreshadow uh what happens to Rhodey in Civil War, where he just kinda uh, like falls out of the sky and there's nothing anyone can do. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like this Steve in the first act of this movie, his whole thing is he's kind of listless. He doesn't really know what to do with himself. He doesn't feel like he fits in with the way that, like, the military works now. And then, like, the plot happens, and he just has to put all of those character issues off to the side and deal with that. And, like, Bucky shows up, and now he just cares about Bucky. There's never any, like, development or resolution to these, like, character conflicts that he's wrestling with in these early scenes. We will get to it in Civil War. I think Civil War actually does provide a good payoff to this stuff. Okay, I hear you. I'm watching Winter Soldier right now, um, and they should probably resolve or do something with what they set up in this movie. Yeah, for sure. One of the issues, oh, I guess this is a multi-part issue, is that this kind of doesn't feel like a Captain America movie. It feels like a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie guest starring Captain America. Hmm. And like, you, I see what you're saying. You could have rewritten this with like Black Widow as the main character, or Nick Fury yeah. as the main character, and not change that much about the A-plot. Yeah, for sure. Which for brings sure. me to part two, which is that 
they call this movie The Winter Soldier. Oh, The Winter Soldier is completely extraneous to the plot of right. this movie. Not only is he the B-plot, but it's like half of the B-plot. Yeah, the, the other half being the in B-plot. the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's a bigger part of Civil War than this movie. Yeah, he's like, like the, he's the, the He's the driving impetus of the conflict in Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's This movie's just got... A, it feels like they just had, like, two... This has happened a few times now, where they have two or three movies worth of ideas, and instead of giving all of those ideas the room to breathe that they need, they just cram them all into one movie, and, ah, don't worry about it, we'll tie up any loose ends we left over in a future movie. Who cares? Well, Luke, it's time to get to the best action scene in the movie. Uh, let's see, which action scene is that? Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, do you so, agree with me on this one? Um, it's a good one. We'll, we'll, we'll track it as we go through. It's better than the first one. It's, it's really strong, for sure. Yeah, so, Nick Fury is just driving his car through D.C., he calls Maria Hill, yep. he's like, I need you here in D.C. It's, it's gonna be a deep shadow op. Yeah. And then he stops at a traffic light, and some cops look at him. Yeah. He's like, you wanna see my lease? Mm-hmm. And the policemen sound their siren and drive off into the red light, as you do. Right. But then so he, like, moves to pull over, because he figure I get. I guess I need to pull over, or something. and then another cop T-bones no, him. No, I think, I think it's just the green light came. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, you might be right. You might another be right, cop yeah. car T-bones him, and now and, yeah, he's, just, like, he's fighting off a bunch of cops. Four cop cars surround him and, like, pin him in. Yes. And uh, his car tells him that he's, like, broken a bone, and he needs to apply, like, an anesthetic to his arm. Because and, Nick Fury uh, is a super spy, he's got, like, super spy windows that won't break even if you shoot him a million times. Right, which is good, because, like, a SWAT van pulled up, and they're all shooting at him, as the car explains that, uh, like, DC police dispatch do not show any police on this block right now. So yeah. these are not cops. And then they bring, like, a, a battering ram to try to ram his window open. Yeah. Uh, the car, like, the engine stalled out when it got rammed, so he's, like rebooting the car is the language they use yes and uh, like the car wants to deploy countermeasures but nick fury keeps saying hold off right right until the integrity is at one percent at which point he does pop up a machine gun and shoots through the window to murder all these cops yeah i it's a good yeah, scene where he's just like firing <laughs> a million gajillion bullets per second in his car mowing down all these cops yeah, yeah, and one thing about this movie, okay, so I like that a lot of the action scenes in this movie take place on, like, city streets in broad daylight, because that's not something you see super often, um, but, like, this was maybe not the most subtle hit job they could have pulled on Nick Fury, and, like, I'm not, it, I'm not clear on how Hydra gets away with some of the shit they try to pull in this movie, for being, like, this secret, you know, like, group of, like, spies that are just acting in the shadows and manipulating things, they sure do seem to just pull out 80 machine guns and fire on people in the middle of the street a lot. Oh, you know. <laughs> There's just never a question of, like, like, this didn't show up on the news? I don't know. I mean, it, prob- it probably showed up on the news, sure. It's just, you yeah. know, they, they took down a wanted criminal. Well, or, you know what, I guess for this one it would be like, hey armed assailants posing as police officers gun down Nick Fury. Yeah, Because, sure. like, they... Yeah. So, for now, that's not ridiculous, but it just... It starts to feel weird that, like, there's never any interference from anyone other than S.H.I.E.L.D. So, the propulsion systems are back online. There's a real good car chase through the city. There's a point yeah. where Nick Fury uses his SUV to, like, ram into a cop car and take the cop's gun out of his hands. Yeah, yeah. It's real good. Yeah, this is a good scene. Um, 
there is one of those moments though where like like he's trying to like call Hill or you know do a bunch of stuff with the car and the car just keeps telling him that system is offline and he goes oh well, what is online and he says like oh the windshield wipers and it's just one of those moments this is like a serious scene and I don't know if you needed a joke there you know I liked it yeah I don't know it felt it felt like wrong tonally to me but it's eh, I don't know that's more of a taste thing but yeah he ends up getting away. Oh, right, no, we gotta talk about how he gets away. Mm-hmm. So, the car crashes uh, because he's almost gonna hit the Winter Soldier, who's just standing out in the middle of the street. Right. Oh, right, he shoots, like, a, a magnetic, like, mine, so it, like, clinks to the bottom of the car or something. Mm-hmm. And the car flips end over end, and the Winter Soldier starts marching over to him to uh, finish him off. Well, Nick pulls out something that looks like, like a flare or something, and the Winter Soldier looks in the car... And Nick's gone, and there is a Bugs Bunny-esque uh, <laughs> hole into the ground. Yeah. This is the dumbest fucking thing. Well, Luke, if you watched Marvel's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., you would know that was invented by Dr. Leopold Fitz. <laughs> a, fuck you. B, fuck that. It's, it's, a, it's a good spy gadget. <laughs> it just... No, okay. It doesn't, because that's not how digging works. Why not? Because where'd all the dirt that was in the hole go? Melt- melted. Then where's all the lava? Uh, it turned into gas. That's not good either! <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I feel like I don't need to explain that. It's- seems pretty self-apparent. It went- it went- it was, uh, it was teleported to space. Oh, it's I see. It was one of those leftover. Thing. Yeah, it's one of those hydro weapons they had on the helicarrier. Uh huh. That was powered by the Tesseract. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's why there's why so not? much dirt on the planet Vormir. <laughs> now, how dare you? That's only the reality gem that warps things like that. That was the, the Tesseract just warps things through space arbitrarily. No, that's that wasn't because of the reality stone. That's because of the convergence. Okay, well, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Then why did you bring it up? I, uh, yeah. Steve, we cut to Steve that night, who's on oh, his way Oh, it's time home. to meet one of the most important characters in this movie, Luke. <laughs> the nurse. The nurse. Agent that, 13. Uh, Sharon that Blackwood. <laughs> yeah, that Blackwood wanted him to hook up with. Uh, he flirts with her a little bit, and uh, she tells him that, you know, hey, this laundry basket is full of disease-ridden clothes. So, you know, maybe this isn't a good flirt time, but, like, I'm not saying no. Just, you know, let's let's find a different time for this. Hey, it's kind of... Wait, her name is Sharon Carter? Uh-huh. Is she, like, Peggy Carter's granddaughter? Uh, she's her grand's... Her niece. Maybe grandniece? One of those. Okay. Peggy's her say, aunt. A little weird that they're trying to hook Steve up with, like, the descendant of the woman he used to have the hots for. Yeah, well, That seems... You know. That's... That's a little strange. That's not not strange. <laughs> yeah. Um. She mentions that Steve left his uh, stereo on before he left, and he hears, like, a record playing from his house. So when she leaves, she, he goes back outside to climb in through the window. Hmm. Hmm. Because and, Nick Fury uh, is kind of... Nick Fury is hanging out in his house because his wife kicked him out. Right. Nick Fury is sitting in a chair next to the record player, covered in wounds, uh... And, yeah, he talks about how his wife kicked him out, and uh, he didn't have anywhere else to go. But while he's saying that, he is writing messages on his phone to show Steve that, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been compromised, and that people are listening everywhere. And, 
the he needs to not trust anyone. And Nick gets up and immediately gets shot through a wall. And then Sharon shows up and reveals that she's actually a shield agent who's been assigned to spy on him. Right. Well, before that, uh, oh yeah, like Nick like gives him the flash drive. Yeah. And says like, don't trust anyone, and then dies. That's a good well, Nick Fury impression. I'm a really good impressionist, is the thing. <laughs> Why is Sharon in this movie? Um, it's a, they didn't hmm. give her anything to do. They really didn't. I guess not she's wrong. like a, a, one of the good guys at Shield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's not. She I don't barely think she's, has anything to do in the next movie either. Right. I, I don't think she like hurts the movie from being here though. I, like I don't mind them having a minor character just kind of make it like you could have Black Widow show up here, but that would feel having it be a different Shield agent does make it feel a little more like there's more than three people that live in this movie. Well, I guess know? let me rephrase this. Why did they have her be a secret nurse um, and then drop that, like, literally the next scene? Yeah, okay, I would say, I, I agree with you, they should have set her up as the nurse more than they did. I kind of like that, like, as Nick is on Steve's floor dying, he gets another reminder of how Nick Fury lies to him about literally everything. Yeah, I guess. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of like this moment, but I agree with you that it would work better with more setup. So, Steve goes chasing after the shooter, and he does some yeah. unnecessary but cool-looking parkour through an office. Uh-huh, yeah. He, he does just do some wall running for literally no reason. Ah, uh, you know. And then he catches up with the shooter <laughs> on the roof, and he throws a shield at him. Yeah. But then the shooter catches it with his metal arm and throws it right, right. back at him. Right, and Steve catches it, but it, like, pushes him back on the ground. And they just kind of have eye contact for a moment. Bucky's got some real eyeshadow going Wait, on in this sorry, scene. Who? Oh, I'm sorry, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, no, no, Bucky died back in... Like, right, no, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said that. I it was, it was a slip of the tongue, excuse me. The Winter Soldier's got some real eyeshadow going on in this scene. It's cool that they cast the same actor. Oh, is it the yeah, same actor? It's, you know, it's like how, like, in, in Peter Pan, Captain Hook and the father are often played by the same actor. <laughs> right? Yeah, that must be why, why I said that. I must have got confused. So... Can I... All right, we're... Can I offer the dumbest nitpick that 100% doesn't matter at all and I don't actually mind? No, you can't. Okay. I no, go ahead. On that. Okay. The Winter Soldier's whole thing is that he is like a cryogenically frozen, brainwashed super soldier that they like take out of cryo to give an assassination mission to and then freeze again, right? Yeah. So like his whole body and mind are engineered to just be the ultimate like assassination machine. Mm-hmm. Give him a haircut. Why? Like, it seems like he would have, like, a, a sh like buzzed or, like, very close-cropped haircut just because you don't want... For the same reason that, like, soldiers have really close-cut hair. Not the good ones. You know, not Black Widow. <laughs> I'm just saying, when they're putting that, like, magnetic buzzy thing on his head to wipe his memory, you could just take a quick pair of clippers out and buzz him real quick. Well, he's got... He needs the hair to stay warm in there. Oh, I see. Well, well, no, he's getting frozen. They, they explicitly need him to not stay warm. Luke, you're the kind. You're the reason why they shaved the beard in Medal of Honor Warfighter. <laughs> like I said, it's not actually important, and he's got a cool look. So whatever. It just was a thought I had. Like, hey, give that poor guy a haircut. They spend a weirdly long time on the scene where Nick Fury dies. And then yeah. on the next scene where Black Widow just silently stares at his body. Yeah. It goes on for like a full minute. 
They do. I think they're really trying to convince you that they really killed off Nick Fury. Right, which is dumb, because, like, yeah, of course Nick Fury faked his death. Right. I did not believe his death for a single millisecond. I thought maybe, because, like, eh, you know, he's a minor enough character. Maybe Sam Jackson doesn't feel like doing these movies for the rest of his life. Like, eh, yeah, maybe they killed him off. But, like, yeah, it's not. It's it's not a difficult twist to see coming. I, I mean, they established that, like, Natasha has a very close relationship with Nick Fury. Yeah. Which they won't get into. No, at, not at all. At any point later. Okay, we have talked before about how, like, they should do a Black Widow movie, and, like, they finally are. I am... We are... This is, what, the third movie with Black Widow in it? Mm-hmm. I'm getting real tired of just vague allusions to her dark past. Yeah, what the hell does she do? Yeah, you cannot just keep teasing it like that. It's obnoxious. You want to know what Melinda May, the cavalry, did in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Okay, sure. She did murder a nine-year-old. Well, that's bad. Well, she was an evil inhuman. Oh. She had mind control powers, and she was, like, mind controlling all the soldiers. That's better? So May was like, if if I kill the child, then all the soldiers will be saved, and I don't have to kill them. Okay, well, there's 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 a logic to that, I guess. But but it was like you know p- people didn't know the details; they just knew that she went into a base with like fifty soldiers and she right. saved them all, and then yeah, that's why they yeah. call her the cavalry. And then she's like, "Don't call me that." Sure. And then but she's yeah, like, like, she was either... she was gonna have she was planning to have a child with her husband, but after uh. she killed this kid, she was like, "Ah, ah I can't. I've become a much more uh, serious and reserved person now, and it's nice. destroyed my marriage." great (laughs) uh like either elaborate on black widow's backstory or shut the fuck up about it yeah i agree yeah but yeah you're right there's a long long time of them trying to save nick fury oh they can't do it he's dead he's super dead he's just very extremely dead and uh steve just is kind of looking at that flash drive they they gotta leave uh and black widow asks steve what nick was doing there and Steve says he doesn't know, right when Rumblow tells him that they need to go back to S.H.I.E.L.D. right away. And Black Widow just tells him he's a bad liar. And Steve's worried that maybe, you know, he needs to find somewhere to stash this USB drive. <laughs> and I don't understand what happens, Crystal. He, he puts it in the, because there's a guy, like, loading the vending machine next to him. Oh, okay, no, there is a guy loading the vending machine, you're right, I did miss that before, okay. Okay. I thought he just looked over at the vending machine and somehow just willed the USB stick inside of it. Yeah, he can just open it up and unconspicuously put it in there. I don't know if you can unconspicuously do that. <laughs> you just unconspicuously hand it to the guy loading the machine. He's like, hey, I'm Captain America. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> but, you know, sure, whatever. The, the, we got a lot of ground to cover. Fine. So, so Steve's he's got to talk to his boss, his boss's boss. Right. Alex gotta go talk Pierce. to Pierce. Yeah. And uh, Pierce mentions that his father served in the 101st. So, you know, he's he's grateful to Captain America. And uh, he gives this speech about Nick Fury. Uh, what country was it? Is it? It, uh, it was in Bogota. Bogota. Which is there in was, uh, uh, Colombia. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, where there was a hostage situation at the embassy. And Nick wanted to just... A storm the place from the sewers to rescue the hostages. And Pierce told him, no, we need to negotiate. And the negotiations fell apart, but luckily Nick Fury had just disobeyed him and saved the hostages anyway. Right, he did break international law to save right. the hostages. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what to, like, okay. We're gonna learn that Pierce is a Nazi, and that the lesson he takes from this is you can do whatever the fuck you want, as long as it's for the greater good as you see it. And that's fine. I'm not sure what we're supposed to think about Nick Fury from this. I guess we're not really supposed to take a very positive opinion of Nick Fury away from this movie either. Uh, you know, Nick Fury is a hard man who makes hard decisions to, to do what has to be done. Yeah, yeah. But he does kind of get, you know, shut down at the end. So, I, yeah, I don't know. This movie's weird. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he gives this whole speech, uh, you know, and that's how he knows what kind of man Nick Fury is and blah, blah, blah. And, um... He asks Steve where the hard drive is. Or, or he asks Steve why Nick Fury was in his apartment. And Steve lies and says he doesn't know. And this is where things start getting a little sinister, because Pierce is like, hey, I'm going to figure out what the fuck happened, and no one's going to get in my way, so you sure you don't got anything you want to tell me, buddy? Yeah, and he gives a bunch of evidence that points to Nick being the one who hired Batroc Zilipar. To hijack the ship so that he could steal some data. Right. Yes. Why didn't he just hire Batroc the Leaper to steal the data? Uh, You know. (laughs) He doesn't know how to do hacking. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair, I guess. And Pierce explains that, you know, I took a seat on council not because I wanted to, but because Nick asked me to. Because we're both realists. We know that despite all the diplomacy and the handshaking and the rhetoric, that to build a really better world sometimes means having to tear the old one down. Right. And um, none of, you know, Steve's fought a lot of Nazis in his time, but none of that sets off any alarm bells. Oh, why would it? Nah, why would it? He's American. Uh, so Steve's like, listen, Nick Fury's last words to me were not to trust anyone. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you anything. And right. then Alexander basically. Pierce says, basically, if you walk out of this room, I am going to murder you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then he does. And, and not so many words, but yes. Yeah. Uh, and Steve gets in an elevator. Ah, you know what? The Nick Fury scene's really good. This elevator scene might be my favorite action scene in this movie, though. Yeah, it's good. It's it's pretty darn good. Steve gets in an elevator, and uh, Rumblo gets in. Is it, like, Rumblo? Like, R-U-M-B-L-O? No, it's Rumlo. R-U-M-L-O-W. I'm gonna keep tossing the B in there. Why is the Rumlo? <laughs> it's my uh, Jack Sparrow impression. It was really good. Almost as good as my Sam Jackson. Anyway, uh, Rumbly gets into the elevator uh, with... Does he have, like, a few men with him? Yeah. Yeah, they're, And the like, elevator just, like, it gets keeps packed stopping with more and more muscly men. <laughs> right. To all, an almost comical degree, uh, it is just completely stuffed wall-to-wall, and Steve looks around and notices that, like, one guy's got his hand on his gun, and one guy is really sweaty, and this is weird. Uh, so Steve says, you know, hey, before we start, does anyone want to get off? And then at that point, Steve has a brain aneurysm, and the rest of the MCU happens in the, uh, millisecond of imagination he has before he dies. Right? Right, just like the Rugrats (laughs) and Link. (laughs) Wait, what? Like the Rugrats and like Link. So, like, you're saying that the entire Legend of Zelda franchise happens in, like, Chucky Finster's dying imagination. Sure, why not? (laughs) Great. Anyway, uh, in Steve's dying imagination, he has uh, this ridiculous, super claustrophobic brawl with like 20 dudes in this elevator. Yeah, and they, they're like trying to use a magnetic handcuff to pin him to the wall. But Luke, yeah. he's very strong. He's very strong is the thing. He's stronger than the magnet. Yeah. So then he uh, can't be pinned to the wall and he punches all these men to death. Yep. He punches them all real good. Uh, opens the elevator, but there's a bunch of dudes with guns on there, so he closes it again. Uh, he cuts the elevator cable and, like, falls, but there's more dudes on the floor he falls to. 
I like, I like so the scene he where just, he falls to the ground and Sitwell is watching on the monitor. He's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Fucking yeah. super soldiers. Right. Because <laughs> he does fall, like, 50 stories or so. I mean, Rumlow ends up being fine. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, with nowhere to go, Steve just grabs his shield and bursts out of the window of the elevator. And they're, they're closing the garage doors, but Steve jumps the ramp through the closing doors on his motorcycle. Yeah. And then a Quinjet tries to shoot him on his motorcycle, but he throws the shield, like, into the, the rotors and gets a critical hit. And then he yeah. launches off the motorcycle to jump on the Quinjet to smash the other rotor to pieces. So that the whole thing goes flying into the river. All right. I've got problems with this movie. Hmm. We've said it before that the action's pretty good the action's for the most part. Good. Yeah. Like, I, I think this movie does mostly avoid the problem I tend to have with these movies, where it's all just so much CGI explosions vomited on the screen that I stopped caring. That happens a little bit near the end, but most of these action scenes are, there's enough, if not real stuff, real looking stuff that I can like stay invested in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he gets out of shield with his cool jet blowing up maneuver. And uh, we cut to, like, Mission Control at S.H.I.E.L.D. where they're explaining that they need to catch him. They're shutting down. They're, they're, like, making every traffic light in D.C. red. They're shutting down the runways at the airports. Uh, They are using that cell phone surveillance that got mentioned in the Avengers to monitor the entire city. As you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, And, uh... Is it Agent 13 who asks, like, hey, what? why are we... What, how's come we're doing this? And uh, Pierce just jumps in with, like, oh, he lied, and he knows something about what happened to Nick Fury, and we need to catch him. I'm really good at impressions, Crystal. That's a great Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's my Robert Redford impression. Okay. Oh, it's, uh... Okay. Mm, it's because it's he lied. Uh, <laughs> Line? I mean... I mean, listen. Yeah, I asked him why he was in Nick Fury's apartment, uh, and he didn't tell me why. Maybe it's just... <laughs> well, he didn't tell me why. We, maybe it's just because we just watched Thor 2, and I've seen some Anthony Hopkins acting. I felt like Robert Redford was more awake than, you know, him at least. <laughs> he wasn't in the Hopkins sleep. The Hopkins sleep. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but My favorite uh, part yeah, of the previous so. scene is when Brock Rumlau... Tells Cap, like, I-, I want you to know, this ain't personal. Yeah. And then Steve says, it kind of feels personal. Right. So Steve has a hoodie on now, so no one can recognize right. him. And he goes back to the hospital vending machine, and he is horrified to see that all the gum has been bought out of the vending they machine. They actually the make fun of this in Ant-Man 2, of, like, Do they? the standard Marvel movie disguise yeah. of a hoodie and sunglasses. <laughs> Great. Uh, but yeah, the, the flash drive is gone, and then Black Widow just walks up behind him and, like, blows a bubble, uh, cause she's got the flash drive now. And he, like, shoves her into some office, and he is ready to do a murder on her. I like her line of, I only act like I know everything, Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she says, like, the flash drive is in a safe place, don't worry about it, it's fine. And then she says that she knows who killed Nick Fury. Because in the intelligence community, there's this sort of, like, folklore about this being known as the Winter Soldier, who has, like, dozens and dozens of kills attributed to him over 50 years. And just like all the other ones, Nick Fury had, like, Soviet bullets with no rifling marks on them. So that means it's probably the Winter Soldier. And, and then she yeah. she tells a story. It's like, I took this out of the script for the Black Widow movie. 
of five years ago i was escorting a nuclear engineer and somebody shot me and now i can't wear a bikini anymore because i got a scar yeah she pulls up a shirt to show that she's got a big scar there and steve kind of quips like oh yeah i'm sure you look awful in a bikini um and then uh what does he do that like makes her reveal the flash drive i guess we don't see that yet no because we're back with the xcom she just like reveals it yeah yeah but, uh, yeah, the XCOM Council is arguing about what just happened with Nick Fury and how, uh, you know, he, Nick Fury used Pierce's friendship to delay the launch of Project Insight because he was clearly up to some no good business. They, because he's tied to the hiring the pirates, they are suggesting that he was trying to steal data to sell to the pirates or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what's important is that they want Project Insight launched now. And little do they realize that Pierce is playing for lots of dimensions chess with them. Yeah. Lots of, lots of dimensions chess, Crystal. It's, it's mostly the regular three-dimensional chess, which I guess <laughs> yeah, you I guess simplify it is... into two dimensions. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh... Hey, listen, it's part of the metagame is that, like, Right. If you line up the tall pieces right, maybe they can't see some of the pawns so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, listen, Crystal, it's... Everyone knows that the smarter you are, the more dimensions of chess you're playing. What even would four-dimensional chess be? <sighs> well, mm-hmm. it would be... Hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd have to map a chessboard onto a hypercube. Uh-huh. What's a hypercube? <coughs> well, it's... It's, uh, like, two cubes projected onto one another, and you can't... You know, they can exist in, like, a theoretical space, but because the world is three-dimensional, you can't really depict them accurately. But, you you know, you can you can graph them. You know, you can, you can have, like... I don't know enough about geometry to really have this conversation, if we're being honest. Luke, have you ever met anyone in your life who could play, like, mental chess? No. It seems like you could just, super could difficult. Just hold a chessboard in their head? Yeah. yeah. That seems really hard. Yeah. The... You would need a really good memory. Uh-huh. Yeah. But people, like, do it in movies all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a TV show where a guy did it. Yeah. Where it was, like, like, like a, not like a fictional TV show. He was a mentalist. Oh, a mentalist. Like, the yeah. mentalist. Right, yeah. But, like, a real one. So, N- Natasha and Steve go into an Apple store. They sure do. So, you know, the drive has a level six homing program. So as soon as right, they boot so... up, she'll know exactly where they are. Sure. Yeah. So Natasha's got to hack the drive and find the location of the the data that the place it's pointing. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's going on is that the, you know, she downloaded data from the boat onto the drive. Okay. And to start, she wants to stick it in a computer and figure out what that data is. But it's really well encrypted, so she can't. And also, as soon as you plug the drive into anything, I guess it starts emitting some kind of homing beacon that S.H.I.E.L.D. can track. Okay. Um, so, since she can't figure out where the what the data is, she tries to figure out where it came from. And I don't know how she's doing that, but she is. Okay. Uh, and it eventually points towards New Jersey. Okay, sure. How does she, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how she's figuring out where it came from. She's gonna try running a tracer. This is a S.H.I.E.L.D. develop program to track hostile malware. So if they can't read the file, maybe they can find out where it came from. That's what we have. Okay. Uh, and then one of the dudes from, what's, what show is this guy from? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is he from Silicon Valley? Maybe. I don't maybe. watch TV. He's some, 
He's some comedian guy, I don't know. But he, he comes up in a little cameo as an Apple Store guy and uh, asks them if they need help with anything. And they say, no, they're just making honeymoon plans on, in the Apple Store. And, uh... Sure. Yeah, it, sure. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a little gag where, like, oh, where are you planning to go? And it's New Jersey. And, uh, it looks like he maybe recognizes Captain America, but really he just says, like, oh, I've got those same glasses. And then he hits on Captain America for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is closing in on the mall, so they have to rip the drive out. And, uh... And, and you know, Natasha yeah. makes excuses for, like, Steve to, like, hold her and to, and to right. kiss her. Yeah. So they, you know, elu- she she explains that, like, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable. So if they're just making out on this escalator, you know, they won't get looked at too closely now, while uh, these guys are trying to fight. Let's be clear, Luke. This is, she is just engineering a situation so she can kiss <laughs> Captain America. I mean, two things can be true at once. Right, like, I, I don't think Natasha is interested in entering a relationship with Captain America. I do think she wants no. to kiss him once. Right, yeah. Who wouldn't want to smooch them lips? Yeah. <laughs> so then it, it cuts to them. Captain America has stolen the car so they can drive to New Jersey. Right. And she's like, oh, where does Captain America learn to steal a car? We've talked about this, haven't we? Yeah. Where it's like a weird reference to that shitty Captain America movie. Right, it's, a, it's a reference to Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. Right. Uh, But he, yeah, he says he learned how to do it in Nazi Germany and they're just borrowing it. So take your feet off the dashboard. So Natasha asks, was that your first kiss since 1945? Yeah. That bad, huh? And, yeah. They, yeah, and they... The way... Yeah. The framing of the camera in this scene, and the way his... his The inflections of his voice, uh, he's kind of channeling the old Chris Evans, the, the human torch Chris Evans. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, so they, they have some more conversations about how, like, you know, Steve is kind of a lonely guy, because there's not that many people with similar life experiences to him. Because he's a weird, fro- unfrozen caveman World War II guy. Uh, and then Natasha's like, do you want me to be your girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> oh, what? She, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, you know. Yeah, what? Hmm? She explains that, like, she just is whatever other people want her to be, and not herself. Who do you want me to be? Your girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> and Steve just is like, how about a friend? Oh, and Natasha's uh, like, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. I, I like that Natasha acts way differently in this movie than she does, say, around Tony Stark. Yeah, I like the idea that Steve is just a, a nice, genuine person that kind of takes her boundaries down a little bit. Yeah. Her barriers, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So they, they go back to the Signal, New Jersey, which is at the same base that Steve did his his training in back in the first Avenger. Yes. And there's this kind of, like, weirdly long and not that, impo- like, useful shot of him, like, imagining all the soldiers, like, jogging past him. Look, if you're gonna go through the trouble of making skinny Steve, you're gonna use the shot. Sure. <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah, he imagines, like, his younger, skinnier self just looking at him. It's a it's a weird shot. I don't understand this moment. But uh well, you know, Black he's Widow. like he's like been conflicted about his 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 place in the army as a soldier man. I guess and this is like a flashback to a time and everything seems so much simpler. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Man, this movie would be way better if Captain America had a better character arc. Sure would. They they plant a lot of good seeds for it and then they just don't do anything with them. Mhm. 
And it's frustrating. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Black Widow can't find any signs of anything out here. She pretends to not recognize Peggy Carter. Well, they gotta get down that bunker first. Right. Yeah, because uh, Steve realizes that, you know, there is a munitions bunker located in a space that is against army regulations, which means there's secrets in there. And yeah, there's like an old S.H.I.E.L.D. office down in this bunker. And yeah, there's photos of all the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D., which includes Peggy Carter, which I guess Black Widow knows, apparently. No, she, she says, who's that girl? Right. She pretends not to know her. Look, there's no way she doesn't know who Peggy Carter is, right? Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. She's That's just fair. she's just being a dick. Yeah. Try yeah. to get Steve to talk about her. Right. So they're looking around this shield office, and Steve notices that one of the empty bookshelves has a crack in it. And I don't know if he feels like air coming through it or he sees the light behind it or something, but he's like, Hey, if you're already in a secret office, why do you need a secret passage? So they open that up and uh go in this secret elevator and go even deeper down to the real secret lab. And here we go, Crystal. Yeah. Here we go. There's a, it's a bunch of old style computers. You know, like yeah, like computers that run on like tape. Yeah, analog tape. Yeah. But there's just a modern and, looking <laughs> USB like port. <laughs> Black Widow says there's no way this is where the data came from with how old these computers are. And then she just looks down and there's just like a fucking Best Buy USB hub sitting on this dusty old computer terminal. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. So the computer boots up and it's yes. an image of Dr. Arnim Zola. And he yeah. dates the movie by saying Steve, who was born on July 4th, 1918, uh, in, and is now 95 years old. Oh, sure. So that yeah. means this movie is set in early 2014. Okay. James Black Widow okay. is about 30. Great. And it's been about two years G- since the Avengers. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just basic timeline keeping. Right. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Zola, where do we start with this? <laughs> so N- Natasha's like, do you know this thing? And Steve says, Arnim right. Zola was a German scientist who worked for the Red Skull. He's been dead for years. First yeah, correction. I am Swiss. Yeah, and he is not dead. He he explains that he was taken by the U.S. Army and helped them, which, you know, that that's reflective of things that happen in real life. Right, Operation Paperclip. Yep, yep, they they call that out. Uh, in and... 1972, he received a terminal diagnosis. Science right. could not save my body. My mind, however, that was worth saving on 200,000 yes. feet of databanks. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're standing inside his brain. He is he has been digitized. Um, this is just like a grounded, like, Tom Clancy-esque military movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Zola goes on to explain that Steve Rogers failed to actually destroy Hydra. You cut off one head, two more grow back. And since the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra agents have infiltrated the organization and have been using the influence and power of S.H.I.E.L.D. to manipulate the course of world events. Because what they learned in World War II is that uh, they they believe that humanity is better off when it is controlled, and uh, when freedom is stripped away from people. But, to their surprise, when you try to forcefully take it from people, they fight back. So instead, they have spent all the time since World War II guiding the events of human history to make a more and more chaotic world so that people would beg to have their freedoms removed. And then they would give that to them, and Hydra would win. He does... Hmm? 
this is this is a movie about how Bush did 9-11. Well, like, they don't say that directly, but I mean, that's what this movie's about. Right, Hydra has been feeding crisis and reaping war. Right, mm-hmm. You know, much as the United States has sabotaged many peaceful governments in the, in the intervening decades. Right, and that's all just happened because of Hydra. Because the thing we learn here is that America, the perfect, good, pure, noble country that has never done anything wrong ever, has been manipulated and corrupted by Hydra, who, you know, they're Nazis, but let's not talk about that part. They're just cool bad guys. Um, Into doing bad things. And all the bad things that we've done in the last, you know, half a century, that's because of Hydra. And if we could, we just gotta get rid of Hydra and everything will be fine, you guys. Right, this is exactly the kind of justification that the dying mind of Captain America would create. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is so, mm. If you, okay, we talked about it during Captain America 1. You kinda, if you're telling a Captain American origin story, you kinda have no choice but to tell a pretty by-the-numbers World War II story with, like, a very noble man who fights the Nazis, and, like, that's that has its place. We talked about how that's kind of weird in a modern context, but, you know, that, that's what Captain America is. The logical place to go for a sequel is to then muddy up that worldview with a bunch of shades of gray. But this movie does it in such a chicken-shit way where no one is actually responsible for anything bad that's happened because it's all just supervillains' fault. Like, what it like, wait, what about in the real world? Like, yeah. where all this bad shit also happened? I think it would have been cool if there was a character who was like, yeah, I, I still believe in Project Insight. Uh-huh. And maybe, maybe Captain America has to, has to fight one of his close allies. Like a, like Nick Fury, like for Nick instance? Like Nick Fury or Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. And you know what might also be interesting is if there was a character who, like, pointed out that, you know... America is not just an innocent angel that got corrupted by Hydra, that it's always had shades of evil in it, and shades of fascism in it, even before this. You know, like a character that's maybe done that in the comics before, and has had, like, political arguments with Steve Rogers that made him reconsider his worldviews. Like a, like a Sam Wilson type, you know? Oh, hmm. Oh, hmm. Or maybe, like, Captain America. Yeah, uh-huh. There, uh, the flag, there are the so many ways- yeah, God, I would adore it if they adapted that scene into one of these movies. That would have been very good. There are so many directions you could go with this that would make a great movie, that would be, like, relevant and would have weirdly only gotten more relevant as time's gone on, but they picked the most cowardly way to do this plotline, and it makes me want to punch a wall. I completely agree. <sighs> Another important piece of information which is not that important in this movie, but is central to the next movie, mm -hmm. is they do basically say that the Winter Soldier killed uh, Tony Stark's parents. Yeah, that kind of gets tossed off here, but yeah, it's more of a thing in Civil War. Or do, does it come up in Ultron? It does not come up in Ultron. Okay, yeah, a lot yeah, of people I knew it was thought a big that thing. Zola and his algorithm would be the basis for Ultron, or a basis at least. I, I could see that, like that... that makes a certain amount of sense. So yeah, Arnim Zola says he's developed an algorithm. Right. Because the 21st century is a digital book that he's taught them how to read. They can take your bank records and your essay... I don't think this part of the speech happens, but basically, because of social media uh, and the digital age, there is so much information about people out there now that they can calculate who might become a threat to Hydra's plans and kill them before it ever happens. 
and the al- that's what the algorithm is, and it's going to be loaded onto the helicarriers, and they're not just going to be used as a as an ethically alarming drone program that would be horrible on its own. It's just going to wantonly murder anyone that might oppose fascism. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the setup for the back half of this movie. Yeah. No, you know. Yeah. When are they going to revive Hive? I'll point out, this, this, this speech from Zola happens at almost exactly the one hour mark, continuing the trend of most of these movies starting to fall apart at the one hour mark. (laughs) Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hydra was not, Hydra was founded on the belief that the first inhuman Hive should be the god of Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, it makes me so mad that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had the presence of mind to follow all that up with, but hey, set all that aside, they're fucking Nazis. Yeah, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does this plot way better than this movie does. <sighs> yeah, that that bums me out that there are writers on that show that can, like, foresee the flaws that this version of the plot has and deal with them. And, like, like one of the main six characters turns out to be a Hydra agent the whole time. Right, like, ugh. and like, e- then I'm even that after you're... that is dealt with, there are like, like ideological arguments of like, you know, what what is Shield going to be now? How should we proceed forward from this? They're like, I'm mad that you're selling Sh- me on Agents of Shield. Yeah, there's like different <laughs> factions of Shield that like fight with each other about how, how to what's the, what is the future of Shield. Right. Yeah, that sounds that's at least good on paper. Like, I like that idea. <laughs> There is a funny bit during this where Steve gets mad and punches the screen that Zola's face is on, and then he just comes up on another screen. It's a good goof. But Arnim Zola has been stalling, because actually a missile is coming to blow them all up. Right, S.H.I.E.L.D. has just launched a missile on American soil, and again, I guess no one's... I guess that doesn't matter, whatever. Yeah, you know, it's a, that, that apparently doesn't make the news. There's a lot going on in the news. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but yeah, they... Black Widow and Steve jump into, like, a storm grate and uh, hold the shield up, and that's enough to defend them from the missile. They're pretty deep underground, I guess. I mean, it's a good shield. It is a good shield. (laughs) That's true. The shot of them hiding under the shield does go on for, like, 45 seconds. It really goes on for a while. It's a big big building that's falling on top of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, but they they survive, and they they hightail it out of there. Uh, Yeah, Fumlo. Rumblo? Tumblr. Tumblr does not manage to find their bodies, but he does find some footprints. And then we cut to Pierce in his home, and uh, he's God, just this scene. Get- <laughs> this, this might be my least favorite scene in the film. There's... Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. He uh, He's getting some milk out of the fridge, and he turns around, and the Winter Soldier is just sitting at his table, and his maid calls out from the other room that she's going home, and he just kinda says, like, oh, yeah, o- okay, you can go on home. Um, Want and some milk? for a moment, it plays the tension like, oh, the Winter Soldier's here to kill him. And this is kind of like, again, you you knew he's a bad guy already by this point, but this is where it really confirms it, because he's just totally, he's just chatting with the Winter Soldier, giving him orders, and yes. Yeah, like, I, he offers him some milk. I guess the purpose of the scene is to establish that, yes, Pierce is, in fact, the, uh, the bad guy. It, yeah. it is, like, first of all, first problem with this scene it is weird to, like, give the Winter Soldier even this level of, like, autonomy and, like, any position of power over Pierce. 
Well, I thought the idea was he he doesn't actually have power over him. It looks that way at first, and then you realize that Pierce is the one in control here, and, like, Winter Soldier's, like, here to report in or something. But, like, why is he doing it in such a creepy way? Yeah, that's fair. Um, second problem with this <laughs> scene, Pierce pours himself a single sip of milk. <laughs> he takes out, like, a full-size glass and fills it up about half an inch. <laughs> oh, God. That's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, you know what, you're right. <laughs> uh, it's just odd. But yeah, they talk for a while about their evil plans. Who cares what? Whatever, they gotta kill Captain America. And then his maid walks back in because she forgot her phone. And she sees the Winter Soldier. And Pierce is like, aw, aw, dang. I, you should have knocked. And he picks up a gun and murders her. Now, Luke... In what universe mm-hmm. is the the sudden... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just watching the sea with the milk. You're right, he pours so little milk. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, it's uni- really funny. In what universe is the sudden disappearance of his maid less suspicious than maybe she talks to someone about, oh, there was a weird guy in his home one night? Yeah, yeah. It just because like she hadn't she didn't hear anything right she just she saw just there was like some kind of creepy guy table. sitting there which is completely unactionable information and you know what he's the head of Shield he could just be like oh this is a Shield agent they got all kinds of weirdos up there yeah yeah no this is this is the, the whole point of this is just again to hammer home that this is the bad guy and he's a real bad guy he'll just murder this random woman in cold blood <sighs> yeah this the two uh. Latino characters in this film are the maid who exists only to be murdered yep, to show mm-hmm. that Pierce is an evil man. Yes. And then the traitor, Jasper Sitwell. Yeah. 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 True. Uh, so Natasha and Steve show up at, at Sam Wilson's house. Yeah. And he opens the door and is like, Sam, hey, man. Who, you know what? We, you know, we know that Sam, Pierce, he got some milk and he poured about half an ounce of it into a glass. <laughs> so we immediately get a scene to contrast Sam so we know he's a good guy. He takes out some orange juice and he's about to chug that whole bottle. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, hold Steve on. And Natasha I'm paying attention What's to that? the background details. Mm-hmm. Why does Sam have like open containers of mustard and barbecue sauce sitting on top well, of the fridge? I'm going to have to look closer. Yeah, he has, he has oh, like God. a half-full, half, half, full, half empty container of uh, Baby Ray's S- barbecue sauce. It's like, you, you Sam, gotta refrigerate that, Sam. Put that in the refrigerator, my man! <laughs> it's gonna go bad. Oh, Sam, buddy! Uh, but yeah, he invites them in so they can clean up. They need some place to lay low. Uh, and Steve and Natasha get a little conversation where Natasha is feeling scared and vulnerable in a way that she normally doesn't because she felt that for once in her life she was finally working for the good guys and now that she knows that shield is actually hydra she feels like ah she she she's been she's been the bad guys all along still. right the the kgb was bad but the the cia is good i mean yeah that is that mm-hmm. that's that's what this movie says look <sighs> <sighs> But, yeah, Steve, like, bonds with her a little bit because she's 
emotionally vulnerable for like once in her life. She says like, you know, if the tables were turned, would he trust her to save him? And he says like, oh, now I would. Um, uh, and then Sam comes in with, with breakfast. If you eat that sort of thing. Yeah. So they talk about how they are going to need Jasper Sitwell for something. Well, they, they figure out that it's probably Pierce who ordered that missile strike. Right. So they got to kidnap Pierce. But to get to Pierce, they need to get to... Wait, no. They, they figure out Zola's they, algorithm was on the Lemurian star. Right. So they need to get to Jasper because he was also on the Lemurian star and he can, he can give them information. But how do the two most wanted people in Washington kidnap a S.H.I.E.L.D. officer in broad daylight? Right, and Sam says, you don't, and he offers them a big old file folder that is his resume. Four years ago, a man named Anton Vanko invented a a bird suit. (laughs) I miss that Anton Vanko is the one who... No, I I made that up. That's how it should have been, but, you know. Wait, which one was Anton Vanko? No, I'm sorry, Ivan Vanko. Okay, yeah, 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 there we go. Yeah, yeah, um... Yeah, we learned that Sam was not a fighter pilot. He piloted a metal robot wingsuit. Right, he's a furry. <laughs> Excuse you, he is a feathery. Ah, as a bird furry. <laughs> I think furry's fine. Yeah, ah, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so he wants to help them. and uh, he, But he explains that the last bird suit is at Fort Meade under heavy lock and key behind, like, you know, 10 inches of steel or something, and they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, that's fine. There's a lot of scenes where, like, in the, in this movie where they have to go steal something, and then it cuts to it having already been stolen. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are the other ones you're thinking of? Uh, when they stole the car and when they're going to steal the suit. The captain oh, that's the true, suit. that's true. Uh, but then we cut to good old Gary Shannon. Senator Stern. Senator Stern. Who uh, is talking about how he needs to go fuck... Yeah, he's uh, gonna fuck this reporter. Yeah. Well, not a reporter. She wants to be a reporter. So she's very young. And uh, we get that iconic moment in the film where he pulls Sitwell close, hugs him, and just whispers so sweetly in his ear, Hail Hydra. All right, it's the basis for the funny meme. Right, the funny meme where people whisper Hail Hydra. Right, it's where they whisper the minced version of Heil Hitler. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, like, okay, when I've only seen that meme and had not seen this movie, the scene I imagined in my head was, like, someone that Steve cared about and trusted was going to pull him in for an embrace and then, like, say Hail Hydra and stab him in the back or something, you know? (laughs) No. (laughs) That would have been cool. That would have been cool. (laughs) But no, it's just this random, like, yeah. They both they both just show each other some Pepe the Frog it, memes to each other before they head off. It's a good it's a good directions. pull if you're gonna you know pull a minor character to be a Nazi. Yeah. Other than again, it just feels like more spike in the football and a character who I fundamentally agreed with in the movie he was in. But yeah, uh, Gary Shandling goes off to go have sex. <laughs> <laughs> There's this weird like. El- log mode of him leaving where like it hurts his knee to walk downstairs and he's asking Sitwell if he should get a doctor to look at that. Oh, is there oh, something weird. wrong with his knee? I guess there's something wrong with his knee. Did he take an arrow to the knee? We, um, no. Hmm? No. What? Crystal, no. No? Anyway, uh, Sitwell gets a call from what seems like Alexander Pierce, but it turns out to be Sam Wilson. It's the good-looking guy in the sunglasses. The good-looking guy in the sunglasses. And, uh, he tells him that they need to meet up in a van around back, and then they end up on a roof. 
And, oh, right, because they're pointing a laser pointer at him to make him make them think they're going to snipe him. Or maybe they have a real sniper? I don't know. So they they take Sitwell to the roof, and Natasha does kick him off the building. And she right. says, this they- is Sparta. <laughs> Steve threatens to throw him off the roof if he doesn't talk. And uh, he's like, oh, you wouldn't do that. So Natasha just throw, yeah, this is Sparta's him right off. And then um, she and Steve have a conversation about, what about that girl from accounting? Lillian. One with the lip piercing? Yeah, she's cute. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Sam Wilson flies up with the wingsuit. This is the first time we actually see the Falcon suit, because uh, he caught Sitwell as he fell through the air. And uh, that, scared, that spooked him enough to talk. He explains that Zola's algorithm uh, predicts the future to choose inside's targets based on bank records, <laughs> medical histories, voting patterns, emails, phone calls, your damn SAT scores. Right. And that that's how they'll know who's not fascist enough to live. Such as a TV anchor in Cairo, the Undersecretary of Defense, a high school valedictorian in Iowa City, Bruce Banner, Stephen Strange, anyone who's a threat to Hydra. Right, yeah. Stephen Strange gets a little name drop yeah, here. The the famous neurosurgeon. Right. <laughs> uh but yeah. Then they're going to they they take him into the car and they're gonna use his biometrics to get in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't like that idea, which is fine because neither does the winter soldier. Right. You know, Pierce killed his maid just on the possibility that she might mention to someone that there was some guy in his house one night. Right. So, Sitwell's definitely going to be assassinated. <laughs> the way he gets assassinated is pretty good, though. He just gets torn out of the roof of a car. Well, and then thrown into oncoming traffic where a semi-truck immediately hits him before he hits the ground. Uh-huh. It's a pretty good shot. Mm. This is like, this is a very similar movie to Iron Man 2 in that I hate its politics, but it's kind of fun to watch. Do you think this movie's politics are better and worse than Iron Man? I, like the Iron Man trilogy or a specific Iron Man movie? Iron Man. Oh, the original one? I would say, mmm, that is a tough one. Because they kind of have a similar problem, where they both just, uh, America's good guys. Yeah. I guess I guess better, because this at least posits, oh, maybe they're not because of bad guys that influence them. Okay. Like, it, it, it allows for the idea that maybe not everything we do is the best, just it gives us an alibi for it. Right. Whereas Iron Man won't even entertain the notion that we've ever done anything wrong. Right. It, the, the war on terror is still fundamentally a good thing. Right. And it's a good thing to build lots and lots of uh, extremely lethal weapons, right. as long as terrorists don't have them. Right, and, you know, at, at most, you shouldn't sell them for profit, just give them to the military. Yeah, exactly. Now, you can sell them to the military, you can profit off of that. Capitalism, baby, yeah. is a good thing. Just don't profit off selling them to bad guys. Right. And who's the bad guys? Anyone not the U.S. military, that's who. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would say this movie is marginally better politically, <laughs> which is not saying much. So, the the Winter Soldier done attacks them on the highway, kills Jasper Sitwell, and now they're going to have a big fight. Yeah, there's a big old fight in the street. A bunch of uh, tactical dudes come out with guns and are shooting everywhere. Cars are exploding. Steve gets thrown into a bus off the overpass. I have seen people call this sequence the greatest action scene of all time. What? Mm-hmm. This isn't even the greatest action scene in this movie. Agreed? This might be the worst action scene in this movie, just because it's just a lot of explosions over and over. Mm-hmm. I might say that as like, well. It's not, it's not, like, bad, but it's just kind of, you know, yeah, now it's time for things to blow up. The knife you fight know. is good. Sure. 
Natasha sh- shoots the Winter Soldier in his goggles, and he takes off his goggles. They they keep doing this weird shot where they show like sped up footage as it the camera like goes around a corner. I don't like how it looks. Hmm. Yeah, and it's just yeah, best action. Fuck, watch an action movie. Yeah, watch a, one of the best action movies of all time, like John Wick or Dread. I haven't seen either of those movies, yeah, so fine. I, I'm not going you know, to. I'm not going to defend them or attack them. Uh, but you know, yeah, there's there's watch watch Fury Road. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a big old dust up in the street. I don't know what to say about it. Lots of things explode. Lots of sparks flying everywhere. Captain America starts fighting Bucky at some point. Natasha does one cool thing. We're like Bucky's hunting. Oh, I'm sorry, the Winter Soldier. I keep doing that. Ah, the Winter Soldier is hunting for her. But she, like, left a cell phone out that was just, like, saying words that she says to get the drop on him. But then it, like, doesn't matter because it doesn't work. Sam gets a good scene where he just, like, casually walks up behind a person and, like, kicks him in the legs and shoves him off the bridge. Yeah, I love that, like, standard military training in this world means that you are, like, a black belt in five different types of martial arts. Right. (laughs) Everyone can do, like, fancy, like, capoeira kicks and shit. Uh, but yeah, eventually the, the end game of this scene is that Steve ends up fighting the Winter Soldier, and as they tussle, the mask falls off, and Steve realizes that he's Bucky. Who the hell is Oh, that's is why Bucky? I keep doing it, because he's Bucky. <laughs> and yeah, the Winter Soldier has, like, a moment of, like, he doesn't know what's going on anymore, and, I don't know, the scene ends, they get away. What a it's twist. Actually- it's it's a real twist. The Winter Soldier was actually the, the uh, thought dead Bucky Barnes yeah. the whole time. Dang. Who'd have thunk it? I mean, I think literally everyone. Uh, you know, there's people who haven't read that Wikipedia article. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there are casual fans who are probably legitimately surprised by this. No, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And, you know, between the mask and he's got, like, totally different hair and makeup, like, yeah, if, if you didn't already know this element of the Captain America mythos, then, yeah, it, it's probably a, a decent plot twist. But, uh, yeah, Steve, uh, Sam gets his wingsuit and flies them all away. And, but then they get arrested by Rumbly Tummy. And they're gonna execute them in the streets, but there's a news Fright. helicopter, and Rumbly Tummy's, like, not here. Yeah. Even though they could just do it. Just fucking yeah, do mean, it. They, just do it, guys. It's fine. Like, y- you can take the PR hit for killing the greatest enemy in Hydra history. You are, like, hours away from murdering millions of people. It's not gonna matter that much. Oh, look. Rumbly Tubbly has put a lot of effort into maintaining his Twitter brand. He's gonna <laughs> yeah. lose a ton of followers <laughs> if he murders Captain America. That's true. That's true. Uh, but they're all loaded up into a prison van. Uh, Black Widow got shot during the fight, and she's bleeding pretty badly. Uh, so Sam tells one of the guards that they need medical attention, and they threaten him with a stun baton, but then attack the other guard, and they take their helmet off, and it's Hill. Yeah, it's Maria Hill. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, she's here. She's cool. Yeah. Uh, and, they have uh, a short conversation about, like, how how could Bucky be alive? And Steve Rogers right. mentions that, you know, Bucky was experimented on back in Italy in the first movie. Yeah. I guess they made him a super soldier. Yeah, so that's, that's, yep. I like how and, in these uh, movies, like, getting shot is, isn't is really that big of a deal as long as you get the bullet out within, like, the next two hours. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the good guys escape and get to some tunnel where uh, the, the good shield is. 
And Nick Fury's right in there. He's alive! What a twist! Yeah. What? They brought back two people. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, so yeah, like Nick the, Fury's alive. He's The, the yeah, banter yeah. here of, like, uh, Nick Fury's saying, I got lacerated spinal column, cracked sternum, shattered collarbone, perforated liver. What hell of a headache. Don't forget about your collapsed lung. Oh, let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Oh, yeah, then we cut back to the Winter Soldier, who is in some secret lab that does not look like it's been updated since he was originally frozen. Like, everyone's wearing bow ties in here, and there's a lot of, like, just old-fashioned-looking, like, metal drawers all over the walls. And he's having, like, flashbacks to the day he fell off the train. Because he's, he's, he's remembering Crystal. Right, because he knew that guy. Yeah. Who's that? Who, who is he? Yeah, he, like, freaks out and attacks some of the doctors. And then Pierce comes down, and uh, he, yeah, he just looks to Pierce and is like, I, I knew that man. And, uh, why is he so attractive? Pierce- <laughs> oh, why, why am I feeling so flush? Uh, Boss, I Pierce slaps got some, some real butterflies good. in my tummy. <laughs> what? Who was that other guy he was with? Why do I feel so jealous about it? Uh, but yeah, Pierce slaps him real hard in the face. And, uh, that doesn't accomplish anything. So, uh, they, he, he tells him just to, like, wipe his memory and reset him or whatever. The, 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 the specifics of how the Winter Soldier works are not important. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about they, it. They, they, they actually do get into it on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Great. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he tells him to wipe him and, yeah, he goes away. They shove, like, a rubber hose in his mouth and he just gets electrocuted a bunch. Uh, and then we're back with... The good guys. Yeah, the one of the Russos does play the doctor in this scene. And, you know, oh, this is they? not as lascivious as in Iron Man 2, but he does give himself an excuse to put his hands all over Scarlett Johansson. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. Nick Fury explains that they have prepared some, like, f- sabotage computer chips that they can plug into the helicarriers so that they'll, so that they'll shoot each other. Yeah. He he says he talks about Pierce. This man declined the Nobel Peace Prize. He said peace wasn't an achievement; it was a responsibility. See, it's yeah. stuff like this that gives me trust issues. Right. Yeah. So his plan is that once they you know plug everything in, then they can take control of the helicarriers, and everything will be back on track. And Steve's like, "No, what the fuck is wrong with you? No." I do like that they they uh, blow up shield. That's a that's a bold move. Sure. Yeah, he explains that yeah, they are getting rid of the helicarriers. Everything is just going away and everyone agrees with him. So Nick Fury's just like, "Well, guess you, okay, fine. Fine. We'll do it your way. I'm just going to sit in the corner and pout." Uh so now Steve is reminiscing on the bridge. Right. About one he of his has, moments um, with Bucky like a- right after his mom died. Which is already after yeah. his dad died, so he's an orphan now. Right. And Bucky's like, come live with me, be my husband. <laughs> yes. And Steve's like, uh, no, I, I, I just want to be alone right now. And Bucky's right. like, okay, but I'm always going to be here for you, pal. I'm with you to the end right. of the line. Yes. <laughs> and then they just make out, but we don't see that part. You know, that, that would be pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fuck. This would be way funnier if I knew the word I was gonna. I was trying to find when you like spy on something that you're not supposed to. That's like voyeurism. Oh there we go, voyeurism. There we go. Be, you know, be voyeuristic to show them making out, even though they definitely do. 
Uh, and then it cuts to Steve with, you know, the third part of this love triangle. Sam. And Sam's We're, like, yeah. listen, when we do this, you're going to have to fight Bucky. Right. And you can't save him. You're going to have to kill him. You're definitely going to have to kill him so you can marry me. And Steve's like, I don't know if I can do that. Right. And Sam's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, and then Steve says like, oh, well, if you're going to fight a war, you need a uniform. And it cuts back to the Captain America Museum where Stanley is a security guard. And so he sees the naked mannequin of the Captain America in there, and he goes, "Oh, I'm, I am so fired." Now, Luke, just a lot of good impressions this week. Here's here's the thing about this uniform. Okay, it's yeah. different from the old uniform because it has a line in the middle now. Okay, which I don't like because it means when you unbuckle the the belt straps that are red, there's just one line there for no reason. Oh, I see. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay. Uh, the XCOM Council has come to S.H.I.E.L.D. to, I guess, oversee the launch of Project Insight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gives them all fancy-looking biometric badges that will let them into all the doors in S.H.I.E.L.D. As you do. So that's nice of him. Yeah. And then Abed from Community is here. Right. Russo's directed and lots of episodes of that. What's that? The Russo's directed lots of episodes of that. Oh, yeah, that's true, huh? Yeah. That's that's an all right show. Yeah, that's a good poll. I like I like that show all right. But uh, he, he gets uh, you know, held up by Captain America so they can take control of the intercom system, I guess. Yeah. And they can make an announcement that uh, cuts off Pierce's fancy speech about uh, the new world peace they're starting. And Captain America just lays everything out. He explains that many of the people working in the Shield Building are actually Hydra agents. And, uh, you know, it's maybe all of you are Hydra, and that would be, oh, that'd be real bad, but I'd, I'd save the day anyway, but probably some of you are good, so maybe, like, help? Maybe help? The price of freedom is high. It always has been. And it's a price I'm willing to pay. Yeah. Uh, he also says that, you know, Pierce is Hydra, which the rest of the XCOM council turns on him immediately. I do like Robert Redford's acting here, where he just, like, shrugs his shoulders, like, ah, oh well. Right, well, yeah, because he's very much... I like that he plays it like, it's okay that I'm exposed, because I'm right, and, uh, you know, if we just talk about this, you'll come around to my way of thinking. Debate me, coward. His arguments aren't very good. No, they're not at all. <laughs> this is, like, one of the few scenes where they actually try to, like, discuss some ideology, right. and it's not well written. No, it's not. It's a bummer. <sighs> But yeah, the XCOM Council's mad at him, and the the some some Shield boys come in to deal with them. Um, and then we get to Rumblo in the command center talking to. This is okay. This movie's got a lot of problems. I think this scene works really well. It's a good scene where there is just some like young guy, you know, like maybe late twenties on the the thing, and he's very scared and anxious. He's not a cool buff dude. And Rumblow is yelling at him to launch the the ships. And he won't do it because he believes in Captain America, damn it. It's good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, what does Captain America believe in? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I made I made I made a, a, a witty tweet the other day. <laughs> yeah, what was your tweet? My witty tweet? Yeah. Captain America is not moral, but he is moral coded. <laughs> I mean Like it, it okay. His in this scene, his problem is that he doesn't want Hydra to do the Project Insight. Right. Would he have busted into this control center if Hydra wasn't there? If if just Nick Fury was launching Project yeah, Insight? Yeah, would, would he have, like, saying, like, listen, 
we can't do this. This is evil. I, I don't want America to become the evil empire even more than it already is. Hmm. He was definitely against it when it was Nick Fury. He was idea. against it, but his plan was like, okay, I'm going to quit, but I'm not going to like yeah. fight back against this. Right. He was just going to wash his hands of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's not a great movie. <laughs> But basically, the entire room erupts into a gunfight, because as soon as one person draws a gun, it just turns into just everyone is drawing a gun on everyone else and just kind of shooting at who they're guessing are the bad guys. Yeah. How do you know the good guys uh, from the bad guys? If they're shooting at you, they're bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole base just breaks up into chaos as the helicarriers start to take off. So then and, uh, Alexander Pierce yeah. poses a question to Councilman Singh. He's like, you know, if Super Smash Brothers Ultimate came out, <laughs> came out tomorrow and you, you could come over to my house and play it, would you? And then Councilman Singh just says, like, not if it was your Switch. God damn it. Uh, what he actually says is if you knew that... I forget what country it was, but, like, if you knew another country was going to invade your country and murder your daughter in a football stadium, uh, wouldn't you want to stop it? And he's like, not, not with, not with you. No, not with your Switch. I hate Zelda. Xbox uh, is better. <laughs> it's the most powerful console. And, like you said, this is, um, this is all the actual argument there's going to be. Yeah, was, yeah. Hmm. Because then Pierce takes out a gun to shoot him with, but uh, then all of a sudden the lady XCOM counselor goes all nuts and beats everybody up because it's actually Black Widow in disguise. Now Black Widow's gonna, gonna hack the computer and dump all the S.H.I.E.L.D. secrets onto the internet. Right, yeah. And meanwhile, yeah, Sam Wilson is flying around the helicarriers, dodging gunfire and shit in order to uh, plug in the chips. And over the course of this action scene, I think he gets he gets two of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think because you know things are cut, cross cutting between a lot of different shit at this point. I don't even know what Captain America is currently like doing. He eventually ends up on one of the ships, but I don't remember what his whole thing is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's nah, fighting the Winter Soldier's there. The Winter Soldier like rips off Sam's wing, and then Sam is grounded, but he manages yeah. to throw Cap up to one of the helicarriers. This is generally a good action movie. This is where the action starts to lose me just because it's it's like sensory overload. Yeah. It just it's so much that it starts to get hard to care all that much. Uh but yeah, Black Widow is uploading all of Shield's all of like America's state secrets to the internet. So that's cool. Uh and Pierce is like, oh, if you do that, don't you realize that you'll be, you, all your secrets will be out there too? Well, your dark past that we keep alluding to, everyone will know about it. No, they won't. I don't fucking know about it. Well, Luke, they, yeah. they, it's hard to even talk about. They took away her ability to have children. All right. Yeah. We'll get to that in a few movies. <laughs> uh, She's a monster. <laughs> oh, God. What a. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite movie yeah you know yeah for now. the one you really love yeah, for now okay <laughs> tune in next month yeah we talk about how black widow is a monster yeah god <laughs> anyway sam and cap confront the winter soldier sam's bird suit gets wrecked and cap ends up with the last chip 
And so now that Sam's on the ground, he's got to go cut off Rumbly from getting to the council room. Nick Fury shows up because they need two accesses to do something. Right, to, to dump the files. Oh, they need right. two okay, alpha-level yeah. members. Right. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they erased his password, deleted his retinal scan. If you want to stay ahead of Nick Fury, <laughs> you're going to have to keep both eyes open. Why wouldn't they delete his other retinal scan? <laughs> well, because it was a secret retinal scan. Because he, he, he scans it with his, his bad eye. Yeah, why? Why would that be? It's fine. What? Whatever. That's a good. That's a good moment. It's a good moment until you think about it for two seconds. Well, they didn't know that was his retinal scan. It was probably under like not Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dumb. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then yeah, Rumbly's coming up there to get him. So Sam's got to intercept him, and they have a, a big tough guy fight in some office building some office on the yeah yeah uh i like that captain america is trying to yeah, give sam like a big villain speech and sam completely does not give a shit no again sam's the best character in this movie <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then yeah captain america confronts yeah. bucky on the final yes. helicarrier right and he's like oh don't make me fight you but he makes him fight him yeah and they 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 tussle it up they tussle and they tussle and they keep on tussling well you see captain america says people are gonna die I can't let that happen. Right. Except he was. Y- yeah. You're, mm, yeah. I guess not as not as many people would have died with Nick Fury in uh, control of it. Different people might have died. I get the impression Hydra was going to... I, I think they say, like, tens of millions of he, people. His specific number he gives is, like, 16 million. Okay. Uh, let me... Hold on. Iraq I'm not saying casualties. that Nick Fury... Okay, yeah, alright, fair. Uh, casualties of the let's, Iraq War. Let's call that number up, you're right. Credible estimates of Iraq War casualties raised from 151,000 violent deaths to 1.2 million violent deaths. Okay, so that's like an order of magnitude less. Okay. So, you know, it's... Uh, it, it, hmm? It's a bad movie. Anyway, yeah, but now now American people might die. Uh, so yeah, Americans America, might die. Yeah, you can't allow that to happen. Um, don't let's not look up American casualties in Iraq. <laughs> uh, anyway, they 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 scuffle it up, and the, he wins. He plugs the thing in. The ships all shoot each other, and they start oh, crashing. Because like how it's framed is like, get ready for countdown. Three, uh-huh. two. And then Luke, he plugs it in at the very last second. Right, you see the, like, the ship auto-targeting just tons and tons of people uh, all across, like, Washington. Including the president and Iron Man over at Avengers Tower. Yes, yeah. Could you imagine Uh, being the guy who messed up the entire plan because you counted one nanosecond (laughs) too slow? If they just hit the button. They just hit the button. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. yeah, he plugs it in at the last second, and then it all breaks. Uh, meanwhile, uh, at some point, they, like, let their guard down with Pierce long enough for him to hit a button on his smartphone, and the biometric badges were actually these weird, like, thermite bombs that just immediately murder the whole XCOM council. And, you know, uh, Black Widow's got one of those on, too, and he's threatening her so that he can escape. Then, you know, that's happening. Mm-hmm. So all, all three of these scenes are all going on. Captain America gets shot a bunch as he's plugging the thing in, and yeah, he saves the day. Ship's gonna hit the building. 
R- Rumbly gets hit by the ship as it crashes into it, and Sam's got to try to outrun it. Uh, but, you know, luckily, they managed to do some shenanigans with an electro thingy to stop Pierce. Yeah, Black Widow, like, shocks herself with one of her stingers, which disables yeah. the thing, and then Pierce is like, what? What happened? And then Nick Fury shoots him. Yes, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, so they get in, like, a helicopter, and Sam has to, like, run out of the building as the helicarrier crashes into it and, like, jumps out the window, and they turn the helicopter sideways to catch him. And but Steve is still on one of the crashing helicarriers because right. Bucky's pinned down and he he saves him. Right, he's not fighting anymore because the the, the yeah. mission's over. He doesn't want to fight his friends. At some point, he drops the shield and it just falls into the river. And I guess they're gonna get it back because like that sh- that you know vibranium don't come easy. Yeah, I mean they'll recover that. Sure. Uh, but yeah, he saves Bucky, but they both crash into the ocean. But then Bucky saves him and like drags him to shore. Yeah, he 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 breaks Bucky's conditioning by saying, "I'm with you, pal." To the end of the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Bucky saves him, drags him up on the shore, and then just kind of walks off. And that's all the last we see of Bucky Barnes for this movie. That's no, it's not. Is it not? Yeah, he's in the post. What else do we see of him? I've completely forgotten what the post credit scene is. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I forgot that. Uh, but yeah, we get kind of our denouement here. Uh, Shield got fucked. Yeah, shields shields blown up. It's not the thing anymore. Yeah, unless you watch uh, the show. Of, uh, man, <laughs> if you're writers for that show, and then this movie comes out, because like we've said, like they don't really they keep these scripts very secret, so they're like just writing a show about Shield, and then get to watch this movie where oh uh oh no, th- this one they oh. did collaborate on. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, Nick Fury fakes his death. And he's gonna go off somewhere to hide out. Senator Stearns gets arrested. Uh, Sharon goes to the CIA. Maria yeah. Hill goes to Stark. Right, right. And uh, yeah, Natasha like is God. This fucking scene. In- she's interrogated by Congress for you know divulging all of America's secrets to the world. Um, and she is just being very flippant and not taking this seriously. She's being a real Stark. Ugh. And, uh, then she just says she's not taking it seriously because they won't arrest her. Because, yes, it's their fault the world's become a vulnerable thing that's on the tipping point of completely collapsing. But also, they're the only ones who can fix it, so shut the fuck up. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. I... I wouldn't even mind if this was the ultimate conclusion that she still came to. I think this scene needs to be longer than two seconds. It needs to be longer than two Cut seconds. Cut out all that yeah. Alexander Pierce shit, and have them, like, yeah. just fucking talk about what happened for for two minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Ah, I don't like this scene. It's a bad scene. It it, it recalls the fucking uh, congressional hearing scene from Iron Man 2. But like, yeah, and that scene, like, they had a discussion. They did, you're right. But, like, they cannot imagine a world... Like, every congressional hearing scene in these movies is just the cool superheroes that we like dunking on people for making completely reasonable questions and accusations. Yeah. Again, like, it, it turns this whole thing into, like, the the worst kind of power fantasy, where these are just people that are above the rules and they're cool, and they're the good guys, so it's fine, don't worry about it. And, like, Natasha supported this whole thing until she found out it was Hydra, so did Nick. Right. And both of them yeah. just get to walk away. They 100% do. Nick doesn't, like, ugh. There's no, ugh. There, There's no, like, 
meaningful conversation about the politics in this movie, which make them even worse than they are at first blush. You can No one learns anything, really. It's just, oh, dang, all these really good fascist ideas we had got undermined by evil fascists, unlike us, the good fascists. Mm, I will not say that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is anti-fascism, per se, mm. but they do have conversations about this. Sure. And also anyway. in Shield, it's it's in that show the organization is portrayed as primarily being about like we have to deal with the weird shit. We're not really here to fight. Yeah, that's like, what I thought Shield was for. Yeah. Well, in this movie, they're about fighting terrorists. I guess. Yeah. In this movie, they're just every. Uh, they're just the entire United States intelligence community, except the CIA shows up at the very end. They they don't even directly mention the fact that aliens invaded the Earth two years ago. No, 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 no. Yeah. So that's... We, we end up in a cemetery where there's a fake grave for Nick Fury with the same Bible quote that Sam Jackson's character in Pulp Fiction quotes all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's he's just going off to who the fuck knows where till he, they need him in another movie. And uh, Natasha comes up with a file folder that she got from some friends in Kiev on the Winter Soldier. And uh, she tells Steve to, to do her a return favor and, and ask somebody out. You know, live your life. Be a person. And boy, y- you can't... Mm, again, would have been an okay way to take a Captain America movie. You did not put the work in for it, though. <laughs> you laid the groundwork and you put a button on it at the end without exploring it throughout the movie. They finally give the nurse a name. It's Sharon. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then Sam and... Steve just kind of look over the Winter Soldier file and get ready to go off on another adventure to save Bucky. That's a weird scene to do a hard cut on. A little bit, yeah. yeah. That, that's like yeah. it feels like they didn't quite know how to end this movie. Yeah, and I, like I don't mind them leaving that as a dangling thread. Like that doesn't feel right. Yeah, because th- again, this movie isn't really about the Winter Soldier. In well, I do name. mind it in the sense that <laughs> I wish the Winter Soldier had a whole arc in this movie. But yeah, if, if you're going to call the movie The Winter Soldier, then yeah. If that's going to be a B-plot, like, I guess that's a fine thread to end it on. Sure. But... Like, you could cut Bucky out of this movie and just rejigger some of the action scenes and it'd be fine. Absolutely. Because that's not what this movie's about. And then we get a post credit scene where, you know, there's some other Hydra base because they still have not completely eradicated There Hydra. are many heads of Hydra. Right. Uh... And some jackass with a monocle is showing them around. Baron Von Strucker. Showing some other Hydra guy around. Yeah, whatever. And his uh, assistant is him- List, who shows up in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. And he says, like, Hydra, S.H.I.E.L.D., two sides of a coin that's no longer currency. Look, I'd like to give and, you an uh, award for best German accent. <laughs> yeah, I'm very good at impressions as we're learning. What's happening is I'm starting to do one, then realizing I'm not going to do it well, so then just super not committing to it, so at least it's funny that it's so bad. So yeah, they they <laughs> it reveals that they've been holding on to Loki's scepter. Yeah, how'd they get this? I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. would have kept it, and they're yeah, ostensibly okay. S.H.I.E.L.D., so... Yeah, alright, alright. Where is Bucky in this scene? Uh, no, he's in the post credit scene. This is the mid credit scene. Oh, I didn't realize there was another scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, yeah, because he shows them, he shows this guy to the twins, who the Avengers will meet someday, and it's uh, it's Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, yeah, who are not mutants for weird contractual reasons. It's not a world of spies anymore, not even a world of heroes. This is the age of miracles, Doctor, and there's nothing more horrifying than a miracle. Quicksilver is not having a good time in no, there. No, he's kind of freaking out. 
Yeah, he's like having a panic attack. They well, Scarlet Witch just plays with. They blocks. don't really strong directly outline it in this movie, but like Captain America has reformed the Avengers to go fight Hydra. Yeah, the one of the other throwaway lines he has here is that like, oh, we'll just feed all of our old bases to him to like just keep him on a wild goose chase. Yeah. He's he's found a purpose in life, Luke, conveniently. Yeah. Right. But not for like any reason, just something happened to be like, oh hey, how about this? Yeah. I fought Hydra before, let me do it again. Right. I that's that's what I'm let good me call at. My friends I keep up. doing it. Oh, right, okay, yes, there's a post-credits scene then, we're back in the Captain America Museum, and there's someone walking around it, Oh dang, it's Bucky, looking at his own memorial. Oh, he's starting to remember. Oh shit. And yeah, that's, that's the movie. Yeah. I think if you just watched this movie, it is got a lot of good action, it's very propulsive, it can be pretty fun. But the minute you start thinking about any of the ideas underpinning it, it is really bad. Previously, I might have given this movie a B. Okay. And before we discussed it, I was thinking a, a, a firm C+. Okay. How do you feel? Yeah, I think it's definitely C range. I'm just trying to figure out where in the C range it belongs. Okay, let, let's... Is it better or worse than the first Avenger? Uh, worse than the first Avenger, definitely. Yeah, not even close. That's how it felt yeah. before, and that's how I feel now. Yep. Better or worse than Iron Man? I think we said it's got marginally... Okay, here's the thing. I think its politics are marginally better, but they're way more in your face. And they're still bad, even though they're better. Yeah. Uh, like, Iron Man, the bad politics are just kind of left unsaid. They're implied, you know? Here, they're front and center. Right. Uh... And again, it's it's a tricky thing because again, I do think it's a fun movie to watch, but that might be worse in some ways because it's like a Trojan horse for all these terrible ideas. Yeah, I, I I'd say I it's might, worse than Iron Man. I think I'm with you. Yeah, I think this is actually fairly close to Thor: The Dark World. I would say it is like if Thor: Thor: The Dark World is like the lowest, I will give a B. That's like an 80. This yeah. I'd say like a 79. Like let's say let's let's imagine if it was on like a a number line and we're gonna normalize it so that Thor of the Dark World is at zero. Okay. And then if you're trying to if you're trying to plot this movie on that same line, it's got positives that would push it to the right, but then negatives that pull it back to the left. So yeah, I can see I I think you're right that it's around Dark World levels. So yeah, I would say C minus D plus range. Boo. I've given a lot of things D pluses this episode. <laughs> Do you think this movie is better or worse than The Incredible Hulk? Man. It's got better action. It's got better action, but worse writing. I think... Ugh, I think D-plus might just be the right number for it, because it's it's on par with Iron Man 2 and Hulk. Damn. So you are you, are you putting it uh, right above Thor The Dark World? Ooh. All right, if we're talking rankings... What, do you know what like my ranked list is right now? Because I don't really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the muddy. sheet. Oh, Luke's ranking. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see it. Okay. Because um, you, you have three other D pluses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might say... Yeah, I'd put it right above Thor the Dark World. Oh, damn. Where are you putting it? Um, God. <laughs> Talk us through your thought process. What do you think? It's worse than Iron Man. Is it better than Iron Man 2? Yeah, that, that to me is the tricky question to answer. Worse than... Ah, gosh. Oh, jeez. I think... I think it is better than Iron Man 2. Okay. And, and why is it that you think that? Just just for, you know, conversation's sake. Uh, I, I think Iron Man 2 has worse politics. 
That is a yeah. That's tough to. That's a tough line to. They're both very bad. Like the main thing about Iron Man Two is that it's very funny, sure. and the main thing about this one is that it's you know it's got some some good it, some good character it's very beats, cool and action. some good action. Yeah. yeah. So I think I would I I give it a C plus, put okay. it below Thor: The Dark World, and a little bit above Iron Man Two. Okay. I, I'm yeah. I'm surprised you went for for C plus on there, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whew. Wow. I was uh, I was excited for this one. I thought, oh, this is one of the good ones. Yeah. And then, oh, oh boy. Uh, you know what's fun here? I've got four D pluses on here. They're all D pluses for different reasons. They all fail in different ways. And you've got one for, for each one for each franchise. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, they've got almost nowhere to go but up from here. Oh, right. Civil War is the next Captain America movie. Fuck. <laughs> so, oh, geez. The cur- that movie's good. Mm, well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, so, current GPAs total. Luke, yep. 2.148. Crystal, 2.667. Cumulative, 2.479. Mm. A solid C+. C+. Well, do we have some questions, Crystal? Where can people send us questions, Luke? They can send us questions at mcucompleteme at gmail.com, or they can follow you on Twitter at ArcaneCrystal, and you'll just yell, send, send me some questions about a movie. And, yeah, then it'll happen. And post it into question tweet. Fuck, we have a lot. Yeah, I, I also have some. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Po- post your stuff. All right, sure. Uh, here, I'll, I'll send you the link here. But uh, I guess let's start with this big one from Jasmine. Uh, who has, has a multi-part question here. How does the ending of the movie, or how much does the ending of the movie sap away its own point? Did it feel good at least to see Widow actually do spying? How many more villains saved to robots would you like to see? And would you like to see Sam Wilson get a solo movie or miniseries? Last one, yeah, I would I would watch a Sam Wilson movie. Uh, I, I don't think the ending of the movie is very good, but I don't think it yeah. had a ton of a point to begin with. Right. I remember when I watched this movie in, like, early 2016, or, like, mid-2016, whenever it was, I was like, oh, ha, what a, what a, what a silly, irrelevant movie about whites, about, like, Nazis infiltrating the U.S. government. Ha, 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 ha. And, like, it was like, oh, wow, this movie was so prescient. That's, like, the the take on this movie, right? Yes. I was like, but no, it's, it's not, though. It's, it is, like, the most washed down, like, edgeless version of that take that it, you could have it, it is it is predicting that kind of st- not, not, it's not predicting that kind of stuff it's imagining that kind of stuff in the most exculpatory way possible yes where it's just fictional gi joe bad guys who yeah they're nazis but we don't talk about that part uh i mean widow's done spying in all three of the movies she's appeared so far yeah, she does a lot of spying. She keeps spying. I would like to see a Sam Wilson movie, and I would like to see yeah. all the villains become robots. <laughs> I have said before, I would kind of like it if the main Avengers died in Infinity War and they got replacements. Kill off Steve Rogers. Have Sam Wilson become the new Captain America. Okay, but how about Do this? It. Sam Wilson becomes Captain America, and Bucky Barnes becomes Captain America, and Steve Rogers is also Captain America. Is that how it is in the comics right now? No. Okay. That's what I'd like to see. Listen, Bucky has had a hard life. Let him rest. Well, they're they're making him the uh the white wolf now. Oh, in the movies? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, sure. Whatever. Antifa City uh, 17 asks Steve Sam or Steve Bucky? Hmm. That's a tough one. I don't see why Steve can't be polyamorous. Well, how about this? 
Sam Bucky. Mm, they, I, I'm open to it, but they need to build some chemistry first before I can really like root for it. You okay. know, I think Steve's got a lot of chemistry with both of them, but those two I barely share a scene in this movie. Mitchell asks, uh, "Why not the yeah, Summer it, Soldier? Why not the Summer well, Soldier? Well, he's, he's Russian, so it's like Russia's cold. Oh, sure, like the winter is. Yeah. That's okay." <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Lexi asks, does the current day political climate change how you connect to the central plot of the movie significantly? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I was a lot more forgiving of this movie when I saw it before, but it just seemed, it's so, mm, it's too, it is too close to real world politics now to afford to be this sloppy with what it's saying. Yeah. Mm. Bleh. 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 What else we got? Mm-mm. <clears throat> Ashley asks, it's weird that whispering Hail Hydra to someone became a thing, right? Sure, sure is. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little weird. Real weird. Real weird. Uh, Priscilla asks, why is everyone else wrong about the movie being good when it's mediocre at best? Because that's the story of every Marvel movie. Oh, damn. <laughs> that's something that, like, like I said, we haven't recorded this in about a month. And that's something that I really, like, remembered as we're going through these. And I'm like, most of these movies are like, yeah, they're fine. That's kind of what I, my problem with them is they're fine and people flip their shit over them. And it's like, no, guys, they're just, they're just decent. Like they're, they're, they're watchable. They're, they're acceptably entertaining. Stop it. Stop treating them like they're like fantastic. Yeah. Why don't you that's just me being get one of those, sport. appreciate one of those underrated films like The Last Jedi. <laughs> Luke, I'm so glad yeah. that The Last Jedi discourse exists. Uh-huh. Because it means I get to be woke for liking a movie. Sure. I don't have to do any work. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. There, I get what you're saying. I will say, if you're on certain parts of the internet, it sure can feel like that movie's underrated. Because boy are the people that don't like that movie loud. But no, yeah, it's, that's, yeah. Everything, I liked that movie. I never want to talk about that movie ever again. <laughs> Frankie asks, okay, let's talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Did this movie affect the show or the MCU movies more? For better or for worse? Uh, it definitely affected the show more. Okay. Like, you, you don't really feel S.H.I.E.L.D.'s absence in future movies. Because, mm. like, yeah, if they were around in Civil War, I guess they'd probably be present. But, like, there's lots of other big government agencies to fill their role. Yeah, I'll be honest. I did not really realize that there's no S.H.I.E.L.D. in any of the movies after this. Yeah. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess. Uh, let's see here. Cass asks, did being brainwashed make Bucky hot, or was he always hot? He was always hot. That hair does look good on him, though, even though I do think they should give him a haircut. Like, you know, Bucky has a moment where Steve is gone for a long time, when he comes back, he's all buff and huge. Then Steve gets a moment where Bucky's gone for a long time, and when he comes back, he's all goth. Yeah. He's got five gallons of eye, lo- of, like, eye shadow and long, grungy hair. That's good. Yeah. He just he's he's a man from the forties who listened to some emo music. It's like, yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> yes. Uh oh, here's here's a good one. Uh Queenly Poppy Roo, Queen of Wifes, asks, What would y'all do if you went to buy a pack of gum and a mysterious USB drive fell down with it? What size of drive would it be worth keeping? I'm thinking thirty two GB would be a steal. Uh I guess I'd keep a thirty two gig drive. That's not that much these days. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's useful. The concern, though, is as soon as you plug it in anywhere, um, Nazis are going to come murder you and take it, so that's not great. But I guess you have no way of knowing that before it happens. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I thought you were 
you're scrolling for a new question. <clears throat> Evan asks, how standalone is this f movie? Like, do you think someone who hasn't seen a Marvel movie before would get it? Probably? I, you should probably watch Captain America 1. I, I don't think this is particularly standalone. I think you could, you know, get it, but I think it definitely would hit more if you've seen other Marvel films with S.H.I.E.L.D. in it. Yeah, no, it would, but I, I think you would... I think if you just watched Captain America 1 and then watched this, you would you would pretty much be on board with it. But yeah, you're right that, like, seeing, like, Avengers or something would help. Uh, let's see. Vivi asks, why did they not just pay for the Metal Gear license? It's not a Metal Gear yeah, movie. Yeah, they were making God a Captain it. America film. Yeah, it's not a Metal Gear movie. There's no... Listen, there's not a single goofy man with that has a cool, like, revolver. Not a one of them. No, nin no, no robot ninjas? I guess, well, Winter Soldier's kind of Gray Foxy, like I said. No Vulcan Ravens. Love doesn't bloom on this battlefield. It's not a melody. It's all I'm saying. Mm. Uh, we we kind of answered this one, but Tem asks, Do you think Senator Stern's Hydra reveal makes Iron Man 2 a better movie retroactively, or was it a cheap move? Yeah, no, it, it's a cheap move. No, I, I, I think it's fine. I, I, I just don't... Mm, again, I agreed with him during his scene, and the movie wants me to think he's a jackass. And then to realize, oh shit, that jackass wasn't just a jackass, he's a Nazi. But like, no, he was in the right, and Tony Stark sucks. <laughs> Why'd you make the guy I agreed with a Nazi movie? Um, second email. Okay. Maltesh Natovny asks, well, says, Clearly, when Thor was talking about the defenders of the Earth, he meant these guys. Because Viking space magic gets you all the syndicated cartoons. I'm playing this video. I don't understand anything that's happening right now. What is this? Uh, there's, it's a, like a, a, a Saturday morning cartoon. There's like a, a magic man. There's like a, a, a guy with the lasso. Um, okay, um, well, play the whole video. I mean, we're almost done. So that's what, that's what Thor meant when. <laughs> He is talking about the defenders of the earth. Okay, good to know, I guess. Uh, we? The, it was a cartoon series featuring characters from three comic strips distributed by King Feature Syndicate. Flash Gordon, the Phantom, Mandrake the Magician, and Mandrake's assistant Lothar, opposing Ming the Merciless in the year 2015. <laughs> seems like a bit of a racist character. Sounds like it, yeah. Uh, it looks like it. Great. I think we just got one last question that's not like a, a double up of something we've already talked okay. about from uh, Mike, who asks, do you think Arnim Zola's portrayal as a computer man was an effective adaptation of his comics? Bro? Yes. Sure. I don't know. I don't know comics that well. I know he's a weird screen man or something. I don't know. Sure. Let's go with yes. Cass sends in an email. Hi, my name is Cass. Love the podcast. Here are my thoughts on did Cap's dick get bigger? The penis is made up of smooth Wait, muscle, so are many internal organs as well as blood vessels that make up the vascular system. 
The treatment Steve Rogers goes through would have to affect his smooth muscle tissue in his vascular system in order for his body to be able to function properly post-growth. So if his smooth muscle tissue was affected, you can assume that since the penis is made up of smooth muscle tissue, it makes sense that his penis did grow due to the super soldier treatments. Keep up the good podcast work. Great. Glad to know. Maltesh Natovny uh, sends an email, Re the Avengers and Hulk not killing people. One of the things that always stuck with me from the Marvel Comics movies in 2003 in the Ang Lee Hulk movie is how far they go to ensure that you know that the Hulk isn't killing the people he attacks. Whereas in Daredevil 2003, the very first thing you do see Daredevil do is murder a guy and sign his work. Yeah. Daredevil yeah. isn't supposed to murder people because he'll go to hell for it. Oh yeah, sure. He is, a, he is a devout Catholic. Cassidy sends in a question for Cap 2, the hibernating soldier. Okay. Hey McCuckum, it's Cassidy. Given that Benadryl Cabbage Patch was just an asshole doctor before the events of Doctor Strange, do you think, as I do, that the Professor Odd film took place before this film to justify his name being on the list of examples of dangerous people? I'm thinking it took place around 09 to give him ages of time to learn magics and rise amidst the Order, rather than have him leading this ancient sect of primarily Asian sorcerers over a month. Do you think that the nuke launch in Manhattan in Marvel's Avengers, the first one, was done by Hydra agents inside Shields to add to their plan in this film? Escalation, a la Sheev Palpatine. Well, we know that, like, the missile got launched by people that were following the orders of the Council, and we know that one of the Counselors was Hydra, but I, I guess maybe? I don't know. Sure, let's go with yes! I don't know anything about Doctor Strange, so I'll let you take that part. Oh, the, no, the Doctor Strange film begins in 2016 and takes place over a year. Oh, okay, well. And yes, I do think that, that, that Hydra agents ordered the nuke. Okay. Can I ask that we take five seconds of silence for our third favorite MCU lesbian, Victoria Hand? First and only, I'm pretty sure, if you don't count Runaways. Uh, sure. Luke. What? what? Five seconds of silence. Oh, right, okay. So, Luke. Right now? <laughs> Yeah. Give me five fucking seconds. Okay. All right. One. Luke. Two. What? Give me five seconds of silence. All right. I was I was counting out the the silence. Okay. Give me five seconds of silence. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. So. Yeah. There you go, Victoria okay. Hand. <laughs> Who do you want to take over from Steve after he dies slash retires slash becomes confetti? Bucky, Sam, or someone else? Crystal, we've been going for over three hours. <laughs> to finish these emails, Luke. <laughs> Who do you want to see take over? I, I already said. Okay. I, I want Luke all of them. Sam. All right. Great. What's your opinion on the Cap series, Red, White, and Black? <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the one where it, it was like, it, it was like about the, the Tuskegee experiments within the lens of Captain America. Where, like, a, a black okay. soldier was forced to become a Captain America. Oh, I, I haven't read it, though. That seems like a weird use of the Tuskegee experiments. Shit. But, sure, I don't, I, don't, I don't have an opinion on it other than that, I guess. <laughs> Should Bucky take up the man-on-the-wall role he has in the comics? Would you want to see... I don't know what that means. <laughs> Neither do I. Would you want to see Fury Sr. in the MCU? I'm so mad at you. <laughs> we, we can't stop in the middle of this email. <laughs> I don't... Sure, yes, why not? Uh, what do you think of the changes to the Winter Soldier's backstory, being made Hydra instead of Russian? Uh, yeah, sure, it makes sense with the, the, the He's movie. He is still Russian, though. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Also, whenever Tahiti is mentioned, please say the thing people, including Phil, say about it from now on. Or drop the gag after the sentence, I'm not the boss of you. I don't know. I don't know what that... It's a magical place. Okay, cool. <sighs> Luke, where can people send us emails? To mcucompletememe at gmail.com, where you'll hold me hostage <laughs> until you've read them all. No, I'm saving the last one, okay? We just okay. need to finish that. Where, uh, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. Uh, they can find a bunch of shows that I do on AudioEntropy.com, like Let's Plays, a video game podcast I host with you and uh, Chelsea, who's wonderful, my girlfriend. Uh, we place, we rank video games on that show. It's a good one. I'm also on Totally Reprise, where we talk about the cartoon Totally Spies, or Silver Pines, which is an RPG stream we do Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Central. That's a fun time. That's about it. What about you, Crystal? I'm at Arcane Crystal. You know what to do. Ah, uh, great. Knock, knock. Who's, who's there? Bucky. Bucky who? Who the hell is Bucky? Okay. All right. Okay. Hmm? Let's just, let's just, let's, mm-hmm. I'm hitting stop. Okay. okay. <laughs>